Hey everyone and welcome to 121 in Flux. I am Peter, that is Connor. Who knows if he's human or not. There's a giant question mark on his chest right now. I, I, they can't tell it's a question mark. I just think it's apt. I feel like I look at you and I feel question marks around my head. We know about movies on this show, but this episode is the second half of our countdown episode. Because we do countdowns every few months, every four months, give or take. We do a top 50 countdown. Sometimes we may do a smaller one in the future, but so far it's been 50 every time. Uh, this is the top 50 movies of the 1990s. We have done the first half of this. We have done 50 through 26. This is going to be numbers 25 through number 1. And the way this works, of course, is that Cora gives one of his entries, I give one of mine. We alternate until we're done and we explain a little bit along the way. That's what we're going to yes. do. So make sure you check out part one, uh, which is already up. But uh, I think without any further ado, Connor, what's your number 25? Uh, my number 25 is The Lion King. This is a uh, you know, classic Disney entry, of course. Uh, you, you've seen this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. I have to, I have to question with the Disney entries, because it's only a handful that you have for some reason. I was actually dragged to the theatre when it was re-released like five or six years ago, because I hadn't seen it. And also, dragged. Did, did you enjoy it when you saw it? That was alright, eh? <laughs> I mean, it was better than all of the other Disney animated movies that I'm not particularly fond of. No, that's fair. You, you, you have a, a weird favourite though, don't you? It's not weird. Basil the Great Mouse Detective is easily the best one, and anyone who argues with me on that is clearly a fool. Well, it's very good, but I don't know what I'd say it's clearly the best. But anyway, Lion King. Everyone knows what the Lion King is, so I don't need to explain it. It's pretty great. It's m- Most people very much enjoy it and, and unless you're a you're a you're a weirdo like him i know i enjoy lion king it's, uh, i like it just maybe a few too many songs for my my liking yeah okay i get that you, you don't like musicals so i don't know uh I, I do like the voice cast is typically pretty good it is yeah you know mufasa had it coming though just for the record uh so <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. Before I get angry comments, I'm kidding. As, you know, when, when we have the, uh, the the new version eventually come out, mm-hmm. that's going to be your take, isn't it? Yeah, that's going to be your stance going into it. He's got it coming. Now, nah, if I didn't have it coming, Bambi's mother, on the other hand, oh, deserved yeah, that bitch. blow to the head. Yeah. Can't argue with that one. Uh, my number 25 is The Fifth Element, one that I know Cora's not particularly in love with, but... Uh, this is a, a pleasant, light-hearted sci-fi film, and I love how European it is in terms of all the bright, poppy colours. you got your, your, your flying cars, your space flight, and you got your cheesy action movie, like, happy ending. All of it is up to my taste. It's basically, Bruce Willis is basically doing his die-hard stuff, but in space, and that, that does appeal to me in a lot of ways. It's a really yeah. good supporting cast, though. So you got Ian Holm in there. Uh, I wanted to like it a lot more than I did, because, you know, all the things you're saying should appeal to me. It just mm-hmm. it didn't click for me. Yeah. Uh, plus, you know, as with a lot of movies, I remember uh, a new theater opened near my house. Like, you know, I, I think before this there was like a like a three screen one that we'd go to, and then they opened a big proper one. You know, the fourteen screens. You know, go out of the uh, future. Big yeah, uh, which at the time felt like a big deal. Obviously, now everyone's got <laughs> got yeah. that near them. Uh, most people have multiple multiplexes near them. Uh, but I remember this was the the first thing I ever saw in that new theater. So you know, you get that memory. Plus, you know, I was what? I was eight years old. It was, it was exciting. No, oh, I get it. So, no. Uh, Fifth Element. I think it's a good bit of fun. Uh, and like with a lot of these movies, part of my childhood. So, which is 24. That's fair. It, it's funny you mentioned uh, a certain reference in that because uh, mine is, is Die Hard 3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it's... Oh, hold, on a second. hold on a second. 
What is the title of Die Hard 3? Because that's not the title. No, it's not, but Die Hard with a Vengeance. But, you know, come say on. It, say it properly. Uh, who cares? It's Die Hard 3. It's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Uh, yeah, whatever. You know, it, it's semantics. I can't wait for the crossover Die Hard with Avengers. <laughs> it's It's probably been done. Someone's already done that parody. Maybe. I'm proud yeah. of that joke, though. Continue. But no, no, obviously I had I had two uh, somewhere in the in the earlier in the list on the last episode. Um, but I think this is this is much stronger. Uh, I think it it really it gives him someone to play off of a lot better, right? With with Samuel Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Die Hard Three is way better than Die Hard Two. I, I yeah. think most people would agree with that. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it is because the first two movies he's very much on his own, and yeah, he 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 has supporting cast that he's playing off of in limited capacities whereas this is no no we're giving him a partner essentially i mean he kind of i mean he had al in the first one a lot more because two is the weird one where it kind of stripped that away completely like al had a cameo at the start and then there was no one for the whole thing no no you're right there there was al in the first one but again it's it's very it was very much okay short bursts where he can interact Mm. it wasn't like an extended partnership Uh, whereas this one is a lot more no, no no they're doing it together uh, interesting bit of trivia. Uh, this was originally a, f- a script called Simon Says that had nothing to do with Die Hard, and then they turned it into the third Die Hard movie. No, yeah, why not? It worked. Yes, uh, but no, good villain as well, Jeremy Irons. Uh, easily yeah. the second best Die Hard movie. Uh, I think uh, that's a pretty fair statement to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good. It's good. Uh, my number twenty-four is a Chunking Express. Chunking Express is a film by Wong Kar Wai. I actually butchered the name so badly in the actual recording that I'm just adding this audio bit in later. I was just going to put a subtitle, you know, a caption on the screen with the correct name, but then the audio people wouldn't hear what the correct one was, so I just, I'll just insert this in. Wong Kar Wai, I said his name out of order when I said it on the show. But he, uh, he's done a lot of uh, really kind of atmospheric dramas, as I describe uh, his, his filmography. And this is my favourite of his. It's, um, it's an anthology of three stories. They're all love stories. Uh, but they're all very touching, they're all very, very atmospheric. It's all all the types of stories where it feels like the the city they're in is like, like part of the character. There's a lot of mood, a lot of atmosphere, uh, and it's just a really good stuff. And I mean, all of his kind of like fall into that category. You you have um, in the mood for love. You have twenty forty seven. You have um, you know uh, ashes of time. Like they're all very atmospheric films. Uh, but Chunking Express for me, I think, works the best because I feel like. Having it be three different stories actually benefits his storytelling style a little bit because I feel like his other films, while I like them, I do feel like they go on a little bit long for what they are. Whereas because this is three separate stories, condensing it down a bit, play, yeah. plays it stronger. It I, actually, I think, I think it works for me even better. Yeah, than these it, other just stuff uh, you know, based on because I've I've not seen any of these yeah. movies. Uh, you say oh they're they're all very atmospheric. Do you think usually he plays a bit too much into the atmosphere? And, and you know doesn't fill enough with the the plot, so to speak. Whereas this one, because it's condensed, it's got to do it a little bit quicker than usual. Uh, possibly. I I think it's. I'd say it's less that it's not filled in, and maybe just that it's stretched out over too much time. Mm. And, okay. and some people might say, "What's the difference?" Well, no, there is a difference because I feel no, like there is, yeah. yeah, the story's fine on its own; it's just stretched out too long. Uh, whereas here, I feel like all three stories I uh, I remember liking really fondly. So better paced is what you're saying. Yeah. Better paced, yeah. Uh, but it's still not super quick. Like, it's still like, very ambient. It's still very like kind of soaking in the. I would expect nothing less from some of your of your tastes. 
What can I say? What can I say? I've got a taste. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, Chongqing Express. Very good. Cool. So my number 23 is this decade's teen movie is, is Clueless. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We 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 talk about, you know, a lot of that, that. You know, there's often you know one one big of the you know of these these types of movies. There's one big one a decade often that you know that sticks out. You know, uh, the the two thousands as Mean Girls, for example. This is very much that movie for for this decade, and you know, it's it's just one of those teen movies. And you know, if you've seen one of them, you know what you're getting. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. It's very, uh, you know, likable coming of age. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of these movies, as we've discussed at length in the past. Never seen so, it. No, of course not. No. <laughs> I, I did see some of the TV show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't see that, so can't compare. Yeah, I, I think some of the cast were the same, but they weren't all. Like, Alicia Silverstone definitely wasn't the, uh, the lead. <laughs> That's hardly surprising, is it? Yeah. I mean, you say that as if she has a huge career. I mean, <laughs> no, but I think at that point there was the the idea that she might go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there was the she's going to be a movie star, and then she didn't really become. I mean, she, she was in. She's still she's still a name enough that you recognise. Yeah, but let's be honest. I don't really know who she is because she was in Batman and Robin. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's fair. I'm not sure I can argue with that. But, but that... you know, like, like I say, at that point in time, it was very much okay. She could be going somewhere, so you're not going to yeah. throw her on TV. Yeah. Uh, Whereas now I can definitely see her doing TV now. Oh, I mean, she is. She's doing a show with uh, Mina Savaris. And... Which I've clearly forgotten about because we talk about way too many new TV shows. Don't ask me Don't ask me what network it is, though. I will never get it. Or what the <laughs> name of the show is. No, no. I, I, I believe you. Um, I'm sure we discussed it on the, on the TV news at some point. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, my number 23... Oh, now we're going with a childhood favourite. We're going with something a bit more jovial. Uh, Home Alone is a staple, a staple of any good childhood. For anyone who, you know, unlike Connor, actually enjoys Christmas, uh, Home Alone is a... It's basically the kids' version of Die Hard. And as that, it's exceptional. I'm, I'm not a big fan. What, 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 you know, what, what could I say? It's great. It's weird to talk about Home Alone. I feel like it's one of those things where I've been watching it since the age of like three that it feels weird to like analyze and like so oh, why does this work it yeah. works because it's a kid who's fighting some bad guys on his own with traps that's why it works although admittedly watching it when you get a little bit older and you kind of like sort of like you know actually pay attention to the story of it oh no like he was having, having a rough time with his parents and by the end of the movie he misses his parents and there's the christmas spirit and all, all the rest of it you got all that yeah none of that when you're a kid though is it it's traps it's, it's traps yes but i still very much enjoy the traps uh, I also enjoy um, using the gif of the mom realizing she's left him home alone on the plane, just shouting out Kevin. I enjoy that gif very much. I, I abuse it. GIF. Yes, yeah. uh, especially when I had to happen to be talking to someone named Kevin, in which case it's especially useful. It's very appropriate. I mean, it, it always works, but it just works mm-hmm. on an extra level when you're actually talking to a Kevin. Yeah, especially since um, I've got a friend named Kevin, and I particularly enjoy the sentence early on in the film from one of the brothers who says. Kevin, you're such a disease that that was a, a staple. A, a regular insult. Yes, it? yes. Uh, what's funny about Home Alone is every every couple of years I see someone saying, oh, here's something you never noticed in Home Alone that'll blow your mind. Is, is this the letter in the bin? You mean the plane the, ticket? The ticket, yeah. That's what I said, letter. I was yeah. thinking envelope. Yeah, no, like, like, oh, did you not notice that they actually threw his plane ticket in the, in the trash and that's why they don't realise they've got a ticket spare when they go. And I'm like... I always I noticed to put it, the ticket right? in the yeah like 
It was, all, it was always obvious. I don't know why this is something people don't notice until they're in their 30s, but for some reason... So, no, do you know what it is? It's because they didn't notice it as a kid when they were, like, five, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And then they didn't watch it for 20 years. Very possibly. I mean, that may be true. That may be the reason for it, but... Uh... And then, then they see it as adult eyes, and, and with adult eyes, it's really immediately obvious. Yeah. But I will say this. Uh, the real stars of this movie are uh, Pesci, and uh, I can't remember that guy's name, but... You know, yeah. You know, Marv. <laughs> those two. Yeah. yeah uh, no, like uh, they, they, they steal the movie. It's their, it's them. Not only their pain, but even their plotting. Them watching the house. Them conniving, coming up with the plans. The the sort of stupidity of them. Um, some Stern. That's his name. Something Stern. I'm never gonna be able to tell you. I've not seen the movie enough. Sorry. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so. So Home Alone, fantastic. Uh, it, it, it is. I mean, I would say Die Hard's my favorite Christmas movie, but Home Alone's number two. Like Home Alone's right in there behind it. <laughs> I, I I I guess it would make my list because I don't. I mean, it, it's there's not enough of them that I've seen to 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 have it not on a list. But I don't think it'd be particularly high. For some reason, Christmas movies are better when there's a bad guy to fight <laughs> and to beat. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I'm going to argue with that, but <laughs> it's all making them even better. Not being a Christmas movie. Oh, shut up. You're so wrong. So wrong. What's your number 20-something? 22. 22. Uh, it, it's one you actually mentioned on the last part. This is Scream. <gasps> That's a bit delayed there, wasn't it? I, th- I thought you weren't going to do anything. I, I left a pause for you to do something. I'll be um, honest, I hesitated because I was going to properly scream. And I thought, no, I can't do that. It's like... And then you realise the time. And yes, you're like, uh, okay. No, I'll, I'll just do a, more of a gasp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> full, full disclosure, just it, it's it's almost 4am here where we're recording. So, yeah, screaming is bad. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we talked about it quite a bit on the, on the last part. It's, you know, the, the, the deconstruction of, of the, 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 the tropes and how it plays into that. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. So yeah, it's it's one that I can always happily rewatch on Halloween or around that time, just in in October, I guess. Hmm. Uh, my number twenty-two is as good as it gets. This is the Helen Hunt Jack Nicholson movie. Uh, this was one where I, I discovered it maybe in my late teens, and I, I was surprised at how much I liked it. Like I, you know, it was kind of on TV. I put it on, not thinking of anything of it, um, and it's actually a really good drama. A really good, a funny drama though. It's like you know, I don't want to say dramedy per se, but like Jack Nicholson is—he's an asshole, right? He's a complete and total asshole. I buy it. And the story of the movie is him realizing he's an asshole, <laughs> and, and like maybe coming to like not be seen as an asshole by Helen Hunt. It's actually a really. There's a reason you relate to this. Shut up. I'm just saying. I mean, I don't know. If you say I can win over Helen Hunt, I mean, I suppose I can. Uh, no, I was more just saying that you're an asshole. But... <sighs> yeah, but you know, he's got like a... Uh, was it OCD or ADHD? But you know, he's... he's, he's uh... Those are very different things. I mean, I know they're both acronyms, but... <laughs> yeah, I think it was OCD. Um, but no, he's very, like, you know, like, strictly OCD. Like, he, he, he can't have anything out of order. He has to do everything his way. Um multiply that by asshole factor and that's his character uh, but it's actually kind of a heartwarming film uh, does, does he try using the OCD as an excuse for being an asshole um, a little bit yeah I think bit. I probably would 
I don't think he even thinks about it. I don't think he even thinks he needs an excuse. Doesn't realise he is one. Yeah. And then he's just like, no, no, I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. <laughs> Therefore, yeah, I am not the it. asshole. Yeah. I, I think that's his attitude. But, uh, no, it's been a while since I've watched it, but it's uh, a very good film. Cool. Uh, 21. Uh, so my 21 is Groundhog Day. You know, it's the, the classic looping movie. And it's 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 pretty funny. And it's it's you know it's it's how woman it's 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 essentially a a, a rom com but you know with a with a with a gimmick. And the best rom coms have gimmicks. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I don't entirely disagree with that actually. Like you know a, another good one is you know something like in in time you know you got you got time travel aspect to it. I never saw in good. time, but it's, it's pretty solid. But you know the best ones have have a. Have a gimmick that, that that stops them just applying to a certain subset of people who usually like them, and go. Do you know what? You, you can you can you can enjoy it for this side of things, and the rom com parts just on the side almost. Hmm. So Harold Ramis film worth mentioning that. Yeah. Hmm. And Bill Murray, of course, uh, steals the show. Uh, of course. Oh, yeah. well, still. I mean, he has the show, but he is, yeah, he, yeah, he is the whole movie. It, it doesn't work without him. Yes. Um... Interestingly, Groundhog Day is a movie that you'd expected me to have watched growing up, but I didn't actually see it until I was maybe like 20. For some reason, it was one of those movies that just kind of slipped by. Slipped by. Yeah, yeah, no, they happen, don't they? Was, oh, why have I seen this Harold Ramis Bill Burry movie? That's just weird. Yeah. So, you know, I saw it much later. Uh, my number 21 is a Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Was there a moment in there when I said Batman? You're like, where's this going to end? Because <laughs> yeah. I hate Returns. No, I know you well enough. Yeah. I guess, say forever? What? That's even that seems weird. Uh, <laughs> no, no, Batman Mask of the Phantasm it is the animated movie that came out of the animated series that was originally meant to be directed video, but was so damn good they changed their minds and said, you know what, we're putting this in theaters. That that is started a bit of a trend for them, didn't it? How that went? Um, it's fantastic. It's a deconstruction of Batman. Uh, what makes him tick? You got the Joker in there. You got all the things that make the anime series uh, there. They even brought Shirley Walker in to do like a big orchestral version of her music from the the show. It's very very good. Um, and for many people, this is still the best Batman movie. I I don't know if I'd put it quite to that standard, but it is definitely up there. It's up and there. Yeah. I definitely like it more than any of the Tim Burton or Joe Schumacher films, easily. No, I I absolutely agree with that, and I, I like those. Well, not all of those movies. I like some of those movies. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I can't say I like all of them. That, that's a lie. Yeah. But I, I it, even the ones that I do like are not anywhere near that level of of being a good Batman. No, it's, it's a fantastic Batman movie, and the animation is fantastic as well. It's got that dark style that the show had. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, from fact, you know the way they always got that style is. Instead of animating on on white paper and then coloring black, they they color they just use black paper mm. and put in the whites and colors. Just so it's got a completely different atmosphere to to what most animation of, of the time does. No, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It fits the dark world of Batman. Uh, what's your twenty? Uh, my twenty. Oh, this is one that we covered on, on the show a while back. This is a uh, Galaxy Quest. Mm. This is yeah the 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 satirical uh, deconstruction of you know star trek essentially and you know we we had a look at it and it's it's very funny a lot funnier than i thought it was going to be even though it had a reputation oh, cause I, you, it, you hadn't seen it before that, i had no. that's right even though it had a reputation i still thought oh it, it'll be you know a good deconstruction but i didn't expect it to be quite as funny as it was hmm. so no i very very much enjoyed that never give up never surrender um, my number twenty, uh, and this is this is definitely the childhood realm here for me in terms of this is something I grew up with. 
but it's something that I think holds up. Like I feel like I I feel like there's there's certain people of a certain age who will hear this who are probably older than us who will rate this off as ah that was dumb kid shit when you were really a kid. gonna laugh at us. But the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie is fantastic, and I will not hear a bad word said against it. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, I, I I am with the others. I I like that movie well enough, but I don't think it's a good movie. Oh no, you, you no. That first Turtles movie is solid. I I will not hear this slander. This absolute slander is fantastic. Those those uh, practical suits look way better than that CGI crap from. from I, the I'm Bay not saying movies. it's a, okay. I'm not saying that it's a worse movie than those because I mean technically I can't because I haven't seen those, but I'm willing <laughs> I'm willing to just stake money on it that this is better. Well, no, I'm not even just compared to that. I'm comparing it to its own sequels. I'm comparing it to like. Yeah. No, I think it's a good movie. It's, it's dark. It's gritty. Uh, there's heart to it. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Every time they're like round that fireplace, like trying to contact Splinter through meditation, and he gives them this speech, and they all start crying, and the music swells up. I'm in that. You know, I care when they all think Raph is dying. It's so good. I, th- I think you might have a little bit of nostalgia goggles on this one. This isn't just goggles. This is good. Like rewatching this years later, it holds Wait, up. When did you when did you last rewatch this? Eh, two three years ago. Okay. No. First Turtles movie holds up. Back me up in the comments, people. Let this ginger know what's what. Well, I enjoy it for for what it is, and that is a goofy kids movie. No, no. Two and three are goofy kids movies. One is not. One is much darker than I think you're remembering. Maybe. I haven't seen it in a long time, admittedly. Yeah, no. One does not pander to children. Uh, Two very much pivots in that direction because they wanted more kid-friendly stuff. But... One one is really good, so no. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is a good movie. What's your number twenty or nineteen, Marla? I was gonna say I already did twenty. Uh, my nineteen. This is a uh, one that you you watched not so long ago because you had to, and this is that thing you do. Okay. I know. Uh, I know you and Matt covered it on Overload. What two or three months ago now? I was actually probably twice as much as that, but yeah. Oh really? Okay. For some reason, I thought it was more recent. Yeah, so five or six months. Yeah. But... I guess that just shows how little attention I pay to your overload schedule. Mm-hmm. But no, this is a, a blast of a movie. I, I'm a I'm a sucker for this. You know the saying of the 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 band in the, the '60s. You know, riding on the back of the Beatles, essentially, and you know that wave of what came after it. And I think the the comedy that comes out of that is is pretty great. Yeah, that's not bad. I, I had fun with it. It's not yeah. turtles, but I mean, it's, it's all right. <laughs> Come on. Really? It's alright. Uh, I did. I was just about ready to strangle anyone if I ever heard that song again by the end of the movie. Oh though. no, I still love, even by the end of it, I'm, I, I was still going, yeah, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. No, no, it's, I, it's I, a, I, I could quietly throw that song on right now. No, nah, it's, it's a fun, light-hearted movie. Uh, I, can't, I can't fault uh, enjoying it. Uh, my next pick, number 19, uh, something a bit more serious and dark, is Copland. Um, this is the Sylvester Stallone... Uh, movie Harvey Cattell's in there, and it's the idea. It's this small suburb town where all the cops from New York City live, uh, but a lot of them are corrupt. And Stallone plays the sheriff of the small town, and ultimately he decides not to let the corruption go. And despite the fact that they they resist, despite the fact that they threaten him, his family, everyone he cares about, his whole thing is no, he's going to uphold the law. Um, and if that, and I know you don't like action movies, so you're thinking, oh, it's a Stallone action movie. Uh, it's not. Yeah, I'll be honest. It's not. It's, it's James Mangold. It's a it's oh, okay. a it's a thriller 
drama. It's just a, that, that it's makes a, me more interested. I'll be honest. It's, it's a seriously good movie. It's, it's not like I know. I stay Stallone's the sheriff, and he has to you know fight the corrupt cops. That sounds, it like, sounds oh, like a Stallone action movie. It's not. It really isn't. It, it is a serious, slow-paced drama thriller. Okay. It, it's good stuff. Um, that that's one that I kind of stumbled into, uh, you know, a long time ago, uh, not knowing what it was, and like, this is really good. Like, what, 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 you know, yeah, it's it's not a dumb action movie. Like, that, that, just to alleviate the fears that you have there. Uh, no, no, I'll tell you what. You know, once you said it was you know James Mangold, I I, I believe that. Mm. But you know, the description sounded suspiciously like a dumb action movie. No, uh, but this is probably the first time I've seen Stallone away from that like his earliest film where i can remember him being no he's not part of like a well i, I suppose rocky doesn't count as a dumb action movie but like other than rocky this was him away from the action stuff yeah for the first okay. time yeah, fair enough and I'm, I'm sure someone's going to bring up some sort of stupid comedy that he did in the 80s like i know that i know they exist this is the first one i encountered with him doing uh, more yeah, serious yeah. roles well fair enough Is he uh, good in it? sorry is he good in it oh he is good yeah He's, he's, he's very good in it. Uh, his, his whole thing in the movie is that he, there was a gun that went off next to one of his ears and he's, he's deaf in one ear. Uh, so he's, he's, no, it's a really good movie. Uh, what's your number 18? Uh, my number 18 is The Matrix. Hmm. This is a, this is one that I actually rewatched at the start of the year back when we were doing Sci-Fi Month. And it's one that, upon rewatching it, I like more than I thought I did. Because this is one that obviously, you know, watching it you know, a decade ago, whatever, I obviously liked it a lot. But over the years, I kind of just thought it kind of got lumped in with, you know, with, with the sequels and just, you know, with other things of the time where it was like thinking it wasn't quite as good as it was. But uh, upon rewatching, it is actually a really strong movie. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that I've, I've rewatched it recently and remembered that. Hmm. No, you're right. The sequels suck. And it's. <laughs> they do. They just, you know, sully the memory a little bit. I think the thing is, those watching it now is I think the ending just kind of works on its own. You don't necessarily have to have the and that's story it. Just continue. never watch the sequels again. Yeah, just watch yeah. the first one and leave it. Yeah, yeah. That's basically the, the best advice possible. Um, but no, um, that's, that's cool. Uh, my number eighteen is uh, Braveheart. Actually, uh, jokes will be made because I'm Scottish, but uh, it's actually a really good movie. Uh, it's a well-directed movie. Um, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I can be hit and miss on these types of stories. Historical epics. Historical epics. I, I think more often than not, I'm not as into them as much. But there's, there's a few exceptions. Oh, I mean, Gladiator's probably another big a big exception yeah. to that. Uh, but uh, this is really sol- solidly done. Um, with good performances and uh, the action scenes are in particular very good. The war scenes, because it's all practical, pretty much. Mm. Uh they're really effective, they're really brutal, it's really hard-hitting. Uh, James Horner's score is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it is incredible, isn't it? Uh, like It's one of the best parts of the movie. It, it carries you through the whole thing. Um, but no, uh, this is a great... I mean, it's a long movie, but it's just one that... I, I, n- I never regret going through the journey every time I watch it again. Yeah, it's just, what, a little under three hours? Something like that, yeah, it's like 240 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But again, I think that, that plays in most historical epics kind of are that sort of like two and a half, three, they t- are. three and a half. And I've seen it so much now that I, I love spotting like the at one point there was a white van in the background driving past. It is there. Yeah. I don't think I've ever caught that. <laughs> it's just not, funny. Not something I've that. ever edited out for one of the releases. I, I mean, maybe maybe when they do the 4K Ultra HD release, maybe they'll. I, I remember that was in um, in in Lord of the Rings, in, in I think it was Fellowship, 
uh, originally there was like one of the scenes in the Shire, you could just see like all these vans in the background. <laughs> but they, they did edit out for one of the home releases, though. Yeah. And uh, obviously, people thought that you know their friends who said, "Oh no, that's there," they thought they were going crazy, and they had to you know they they did confirm it a bit a little bit later that they edited it out. Um, yeah, because once Peter Jackson noticed that he can, he's like, "No, we're fixing this now." That's going to drive me mad. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was for the original home release or if it was for the extended release that they, uh, they edited it out, but it's it's gone now. It could have been any of them. It I mean, could have been. There's been so many releases at this point. It could have been any of them. Uh, all right. Uh, what's your number? Seventeen. Seventeen. Oh, the the next Disney movie. This is uh, Beauty and the Beast. I I love this one. This has so much atmosphere to it. Like this is pr- the one that I think that you'd probably enjoy most. I don't know if you've seen it. I remember when I was a kid. I don't really remember much yeah. about it. And all all the stuff in like the forest and the castle, it's just got such a fantastic atmosphere to the the potential horror of it. And obviously, you know, they, they play that up with the beast himself for quite a while of you know, is a is a big scary beast, right? And mm. you know, in, in this creepy castle in the forest. And it just it's got such that great tone to it. Of course you've got the, the songs and, you know, all the all the kitchenware and you know teapots clocks you know all, all lamps all the all the usual stuff, stuff. You find, stuff you find in a dining room and stuff yes yeah 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 but but it's not just the dining rooms you know you've got like the the wardrobes as well it's, it's all over the castle and but how, how, did we, how did we get to the point where you're just just listing furniture like i was, what, I was trying to think of you know, what were the main ones in the movie and i kind of just blanked for a second like you know which, which are the main ones <laughs> You get rugs. There's a vase I don't think there is any rugs. I mean, I'm sure there are rugs in the movie. But I don't think any of the rugs are, are people, because obviously that that's the point. They were people, and you know they were the all the people who worked in the castle. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know that's where most of the, the heart of the movie comes from. Uh, you know, some people will tell you it's the the the, the romance between the, you know the, the the pair, but no, it's not. It's 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 these all these ordinary people affected by what happened. That's that's the interesting part. But I, I like it a lot. I'm sure there's an audience who would just rather he stayed the beast. Oh, oh, there definitely is an audience of that. <laughs> no, just just a kinky version. Yeah, yeah, they're called furries. My number uh, seventeen is Gattaca. Uh, going back to a science fiction pick here. Uh, this is you're giving that look. Is Gattaca yeah, coming I, up? Yeah, I think I think no, I think I forgot about it. Oh, that's a, that's a shame. Oh, it is. I do like that movie a Look lot. Look at that soul-destroying look in the face. Look at that. I'm just scanning my list going, did I forget about it? Or is it still to come? I don't, I don't, I was like, I don't think I said it. I'm, I'm looking here. I'm oh, like, dear. No, that's disappointing. You made a huge I always mistake. forget something. Yeah. Uh, no, Gak is fantastic. Uh, he's the Hawk, uh, I'm a Thurman. Uh, it's... Is a wonderfully grounded science fiction film, which is about exploring the idea of, uh, uh, you know, social constructs, right? You know, that's a big part of science fiction is when you ever get you get to do that. And the whole thing here is that people can now predict based on just just a reading of your of your you know of the embryo, right? When you're when you're you know in, in the, your mother's belly, is that. Later on, there's okay. There's a probability you'll get this disease and die at this age, or there's a probability you'll live till X age, or whatever. And based on how long you're going to live and how healthy you might be from that reading, you're essentially split into a class system based on that. So, 
no long life, okay, you can be a janitor. Oh, you're going to have a long life, oh, you can go to law school. Like, you know, they'll, they'll kind of split it up based on that. And it's about defying expectations and saying, no, just because it said that doesn't necessarily mean... Being more than what society says that you should be. Yeah, so uh, obviously there's a lot of uh, allegories there. Uh, and it's handled perfectly. Again, beautiful music uh, in this oh, one. Oh, it's incredible, yeah. Um, I do love it. It's one of those very clean sci-fi movies where it feels like a sort of clean, like corporate future. It's very clinical, yeah. and I think that that plays into a lot of it. Is you know, you know, in in the uh, in the, uh, the the corporate offices where he is, everyone is it was he's always cleaning, right? Because you can't have any DNA left around. Yeah, and it, also just the idea that you know, people being told they're bound to be successful doesn't give them the hunger to really go for it because they expect yeah. that they're going to be successful. So, now there's a lot of good themes in there. No doubt this is one we'll do in an influx one day because it's yeah. a pretty yeah. pretty good movie. Um, and as, as much as I forgot it, it was represented on my sci-fi list. I'm pretty sure of that. So, I spoke about it then. I think so. What's your 16? Uh, my 16 is Fight Club. Um, you know, classic. Uh, I love this movie. It's it's one that is oh, it, it plays a lot better on a rewatch as well. There's, a, there's so much in there. To, to just the little smaller things to catch. There are, there are some movies designed for watching multiple times, and I think this is one of them. And, you know, this, this really deals with... I mean, I, I guess most people have seen it right now, but it's one of those the rare movies where I don't think anyone spoils. Because, obviously, you know, first rule of Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. And people weirdly stuck to that, even on the internet. It's, I, don't, I don't think I've ever seen anyone spoil this movie on any level. Have you? I don't know, I can't remember, but I mean, I don't really... No, no more or less than I'd remember anyone spoiling another movie. Well, no, no, I just think... I, I thought it was always really notable to me, because whenever this is brought up on the internet, people just say that line, and that's pretty much all I get. Like, you know, whenever I see it brought up anywhere in a comment section, I never see spoilers. I think that's really intriguing that that people took that to heart. Like, no, like no other movie. But no, I, I, I love the way it's played. I love the, the music. I love uh, you know, the, the, the Pixies song at the end. And then the, that whole moment is just beautiful. And yeah. I've seen this once and I didn't like it when I saw it. Did it's you not? It was a long time ago, though, admittedly. It was, uh, I don't know, early 2000s, you know, a couple of years after mm. it came out. Um, and I wasn't into it at the time. I may feel differently now. It's been such a long time. You know, I, I was in my early teens when I saw it last time. Yeah. So I may feel completely differently now, but. Um, I wasn't in love with it at the time. It is one I liked well enough the first time I saw it, but it was the second or third time that I saw it that I really just it, it really clicked for me. You know, seeing all the things and the way they lead into each other. Uh, once you got to that and the, the intricacies of, of how it overlaps, that's was a, where it really worked for me. There was, a, I just remember being thinking there was certain things that were stupid. I remember thinking that the running joke about Meatloaf's tits were kind of. No, that's fair. Stupid. <laughs> I don't know, that's a weird thing. Like, that's the thing. Out of all the things I remember about that movie, that's one of the few things I remember. Like, there's entire chunks of that I've forgotten. I, I, I remember Helena Bonham Carter was in it. I couldn't tell you a thing about her character at this point. I, I've forgotten her completely. She's a pretty essential character as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even remember what the, most of the plot was outside of starting a fight club and then it kind of becoming like a militant group almost by the end. Other than mm. that, like, you know, I remember the twist because you Obviously, remember the twist, yeah. but... That's about it. Like I don't, know, I don't really remember anything else. Um, but hey, to, um, I, think, I think that's one we'll have to do at some point, right? Well, interestingly, we've done a few Fincher movies, and so far we've done them in order that they were released. So we have to do the game before we get to Fight Club. 
I did not realize we'd done them all in order so far. Because we've done Aliens three, and then, and then we've done seven. seven. Yeah, I know you're right. So we should really do the game if we're going to do more Fincher next. We we should. And so you know that's something that I just hadn't noticed that we'd done because it was mm. just accidental, right? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't planned. It was just. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, so my number sixteen. Sixteen. Uh, this is one that I watched for the first time last year, and we did talk about it, and that is Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me. I'm going to jump in, it's my 15th. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that happened last, that, last it, part. It did, did it? Yeah. Oh, and the first half. Uh, odd structure for sure, but holy shit, once it hits its points and its notes and its end game, it yeah. lands. It freaking lands. It, it's it's funny because well. I, I liked it well enough when mm. we watched it. But this is something I like even more after the, the last season of Twin Peaks. The way that yeah. that once I understood where it fit within the mythology and the pieces it was playing with even more, it I, I had think that's, a, a bigger meaning. I think that's something that surprises a lot with the new season is that so, there was so many big elements that were set up in that movie that were, were becoming big parts of it. Yeah. And it didn't necessarily feel like it at the time. At the time, it felt like... It was this little side story. Yeah, we had all these extra things added into the movie when it wasn't part of the show, but because the new season really took them and ran with them, all of a sudden those feel more important. That said, though, the stuff that does work in the movie, no matter what, is the tragic story of Laura and yeah. how how messed up her life was. And it's like you could almost buy, oh, none of this, none of these supernatural or mystical elements are real. It's just a story about a girl who's completely lost it, and this is all her trying to cope with the abuse. Like, mm-hmm. you can read it that way if you want. Now, given that we've seen the rest of the show, we're pretty confident yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you but, have to stop reading it that way eventually. Yeah, but, but if you watch the movie on its own, it would kind of work like that. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting because we have, a, we have a friend who, who loves this movie mm-hmm. but has not seen any Twin Peaks of, of the show at all. Which is bad. I have to imagine the first, like, 30, 40 minutes feel out of place if you've only watched the movie. You'd think, but he, he claims he loves it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, uh, I mean, I mean, he has some oddball taste here or there, anyway. To be fair, yeah. But I think it is interesting because uh, you know it it is all about this tragedy of where you know where it's going, you know, and and there are all these things of oh, I know about this part because obviously the the original series part of that is the the mystery of what happened, the investigation, mm. and a lot of this it plays with a lot of those beats that you know happened, but you know just seeing them from her perspective, which I think was actually one of the the biggest problems with the first time watch, I think, was that it felt like we were going through all these checkpoints of things we already knew about. I feel like a rewatch will be even better because I, I won't care because I've already seen it. I'll just be watching yeah, it for the... Yeah, it's one of those uh, expectations yeah. uh, it does change it a little, I think. Yeah, yeah, because this, this was kind of hated when it first came out because it wasn't a con- you know a conclusion or a continuation of the show. It was a prequel. <laughs> yeah, but now it's an essential part of the mythology and it's, yeah. you know, you, you can't really watch the third return season without this in my opinion it, no, it, I think no. it, does, it doesn't work uh, but it's heartbreaking it's beautiful, it's tragic, it's dark it's all the things that I love when David Lynch gets going yeah. um, and of uh, course you've got the music you've got all the it's, mm. it's, a re- it's, it's obviously Twin Peaks had a lot of you know, really great music but this has a lot of really dark themes in it that it introduces yeah uh, so no, Twin Peaks Firewall and me uh, that was your 15 which means my number Otherwise. 15 uh, interestingly, we're swinging back around to Fincher with Seven, uh, the the dark cop thriller, Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt, uh, looking looking for a, a serial killer who's basing all of his murders on the Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, 
really dark, really wonderful, and I think it's higher than it would have been had we not redone, uh, rewatched this for the show uh, earlier this year or yeah. last year, whenever we did that. I, I can't remember. I think it was last year. My concept yeah. of time has went a bit, a bit wonky. It, it, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so having rewatched it though, and really rediscovering wh- why the character sort of drama of it works and why the arc itself works beyond just the, the fun. Oh, there's a killer on the list. We have to get him. Uh, it had a bit more going for it than I remembered. And as much as I think um, Twin Peaks Firewalk with me is one that might rise, like because you know, I'm thinking about this, I'm like, I think Firewalk with me could rise above a few of these, you know, in the future. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, but like Seven is a really strong film. Uh, it's really good, really good direction. Uh, so yeah, what's your what's your fifteen? for fourteen, sorry. Fourteen. What well, one that was actually mentioned a few ago? This is uh, Braveheart. All right, there you go. Yeah, uh, I didn't want to jump in because there was a few in between. But, of course, no, of course, yeah, don't spoil it. Yeah, we we covered most of you know what it was. Is it's it's a big historic epic. I'm I'm actually a sucker for historical epics, unlike you, where it's the exception. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a few I like, but there's a lot that I just think are over long and. Yeah, yeah, but I'm a sucker for that sort of stuff in general. But this is expertly directed and stands out amongst historical epics as being pretty fantastic. Yeah, it was so weird that all of a sudden, like Mel Gibson was like, "Oh, you can direct shit." <laughs> like, yeah, as well. And yeah, now he's pretty well respected as a as a damn good director. Not as a person, but as a director. For as sure. a director, yeah, not as a person. <laughs> yeah, you know, make sure you take that sentence in full context. Yes. Don't cut out the, the first part. Oh, I'll cut it. out. I'll make you sound like a great dick. <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah, no, 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 the brief heart's great. Uh, yeah. can't, can't fault it. Um, and every so often, people will just ask me to quote lines from it because I have the accent. Your accent's not strong enough. I can put it on, though, if I really want to go for yeah, it. But anyone can put it on. Well, yeah, but it's, it's I'm good at it because it's, it's an extension you, you, of my you, own you're accent. You're just exaggerating. I'm, I'm with you. When I get sarcastic, I go full Scottish. Yeah. The G.I. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what was that? Was, was your 14? 14, yeah. My number 14 is Man in the Moon. This is um, this is a film actually when I saw when I was young, I, I hated because I was expecting a Jim Carrey comedy and I didn't get a Jim Carrey comedy. <laughs> um, but when I watched this again in my late teens or you know maybe maybe just hitting 20, uh, I this is a wonderful uh, film. It, it's, it, I guess it's a biopic and I, I don't typically like biopics, but I think... Andy Kaufman is such a weird person, and you've got Jim Carrey who dreamed of playing him, like he was a big fan of him. That this all just kind of clicks into place in such a wonderful way, um, and it plays with who he was and how he always liked to. Essentially, like part of his comedy was to like deceive people until he revealed what was actually going on. To the point when he announced he had cancer, people didn't believe him <laughs> because he mm. was. He was known for for telling fibs about what was about himself and what was going on, um, and it's actually wonderfully touching in places. And seeing his weird, different type, kind of comedy and how he introduced that to the world through things like Saturday Night Live and through uh, Taxi, which is the, the sitcom he was on, which I'd actually seen some of. I'd, I'd watched some of the, the just obviously repeats. I wasn't around in the seventies to watch it, but uh, when, when it was on, like you know, late night on cable, like I'd, I'd sure. watch, watch that show. Uh, interestingly, Danny DeVito, who's in the movie, was also in that show. And they got around that, but just kind of not having his character be in the scenes. They just never mention him. Like it's just you know, because he obviously he was a friend of Kaufman's, and that's why he's in the yeah. movie. Uh, so they just got around it with having him just not be around. Yeah, uh, why not? But yeah, you know, I think they got like, the actors back, even though they were much older, just to, just to do it. Why not? You know, Christopher Lloyd was in that show, so they have him being his character and stuff. 
it's kind of nice. Yeah, no, it was. You, you get the feeling that he was such a weird guy, but everyone who got to know him once he was a bit of an acquired taste. But everyone who did get to know him eventually kind of respected him. him. Yeah. yeah, even though he was really weird. <laughs> um, so it's a very good, and obviously the, the REM song "Man in the Moon" is inspired by Andy Kaufman, which is why the movie is named "Man in the Moon," and it is in there. They also wrote a new song for the movie as well. Um, and the ending kind of plays into the, the, one of the conspiracy theories about his death, uh, and, a, and a really kind of fun, respectfully, where it's just kind of like, yeah, what if? Kind of. So, uh, Man, the Moon's really good. Like, I think it's a really good film. So, um, yeah, what's your what's your thirteen? My thirteen is Schindler's List. This is you know, get, get as dark as you can get, I suppose. On uh, in, in I like to crack jokes whenever you have an entry, but I feel like there's not much I can go here without it be getting. No, you get offensive if you yeah. crack jokes this one. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think this is a beautiful movie. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan. It's 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 just this, this wonderful journey. That's it's very harrowing but heartwarming. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's the the hope of what Schindler did, despite all yeah. the the misery yeah, and darkness. Yeah, obviously the, the horror that it is, and it's it's so. It just beats you over the head with how horrific it is for so much of the movie. It's definitely one of the most stark films that Spielberg's made. Um, I respect it a lot. It's not one that I feel the need to ever go back and watch again. Like I, feel, I watched it once. I think I should, everyone should watch it once. But you know, no, I get that. You know, I think now I'm... it's it's not one that you could watch super often. But uh, you know, it, it's you know every five years, every decade, you know, throw, throw it on. Um, fantastic music as well, especially the the ending. Uh, that whole suite at the end is just some of the best music in cinema, in, in my opinion. It's, it's, uh, it's I thought I thought of a joke that's not offensive. I go on. I'm still in it, admittedly. I'm still in this from someone much smarter than I am. I'm just, but I thought I'll say this joke because it's good. Do you know why Liam Neeson was cast in Schindler's List? Go on. He's good at making lists. And Stephen went, you know, that's exactly what I'm looking for, Liam. Exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah, Joe, you know, it's funny because I, I I see a lot of people make jokes like this in in, in real life because there's a an elevator company called uh, Schindler's Lifts. <laughs> Someone named an elevator company Schindler's Lifts. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a Schindler lift. So you get a lot of jokes. I, I don't know if the company's called Schindler's Lifts, but it's a Schindler lift. Right. Okay. So you get a lot of jokes about that. That's... As you can imagine, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, everyone's made that joke if yeah. they've seen it. Yeah, my joke, by the way, was stolen from Ricky Gervais. Uh, just for the record, <laughs> um, uh, Liam Neeson himself was in the scene and he made the joke. Uh, it was it's fantastic scene. Yeah, life's too short. Was that the name of the show? Uh, yeah, I think that's the one. Yeah. yeah, look up the clip. Liam Neeson, life's too short. So it's worth a watch. Uh, anyway, what was the number? Was that thirteen? Thirteen. My number thirteen is one you've mentioned. It is Galaxy Quest. Cool. As everything you said, as as I, what you didn't mention that I will I will emphasize here is just the absolute all star cast. This thing is sporting. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Alan Ra- Alan Rickman, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Sam Rockwell. Before he was like a big deal, so before just, he was Sam Rockwell. It's, it's kind of funny. He's there as if he's like you know we've got the three big names and he's like one of the the supporting cast, but now he's like Sam Rockwell. <laughs> so it's yeah. like he he is essentially the red shirt. Yeah. That's, that's the part he's playing. That's the joke. Yeah, he's the he's yeah. the red shirt who's worried that he's going to die because he was the red shirt. Yeah, yeah, you, you have to. You can't cast a big actor as the red shirt because that def- defies the point. Unless you cast the biggest actor possible as the red shirt, and then that's the joke. That's the joke. Yeah, but then but I think if you do that, you have to go and kill them. 
quite early on. You have to play into the... the, the ah, the sure, day. yeah. That, so you cast Robert De Niro as the red that's, shirt. That's <laughs> like the, the... it's That's the equivalent to the opening of Scream. Sure, yeah. That's that's what you, that's what doing that is. If you cast someone huge as the red shirt, you have to play into it then at that point. Okay, okay. Uh, but no, Galaxy Quest is fantastic. Uh, it's full of really witty jokes. And I think the other thing you didn't mention was that it's actually got a really heartwarming message about what science fiction and media means to its fans. It's, it's not all yeah. cynical. Because I think there's the, the potential for it to be really cynical. And there's cynical points that are made, but... There's ultimately, like, no, this is why it means something to people. And it that's is. why it's, it should be treasured. As, as much as it's a deconstruction of Star Trek, it's also a deconstruction of fandom. And uh, that side of it is, is, is pretty interesting, especially you know, once you get in and, and the, the, the idea that fandoms can be a good thing, even if at times they can get, get on people's nerves. Mm-hmm. Mm. Star Wars. Uh, so what's your, what's your 12? Yeah, 12. Continue the theme of, of movies that we've covered on, on the show. This is uh, Ghost in the Shell. In fact, do you know do you know what's good about the nineties? That there was very little Star Wars. There's no there's only one Star Wars no, movie. There's only one, yeah. And, it's, uni- one. To... and it's universally agreed that it's bad. So Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't have to listen to about how good the Star Wars movies were in the nineties. The it's great. You're gonna get that all about the you know the the the, the, the mid teens. Mid to late teens. You're gonna you're gonna have to live with that. Yeah, because even the 2000s, some people are delusional and think Revenge of the Sith is any good. I don't think it's a good movie. I think it's by far the best of the three and has redeeming elements. I, I'm going to quote Matt's wife here, because Matt was telling us a story the other day, and I thought this was this was wonderful. Uh, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith was on the, the TVs at the gym, I think it was, and she turned to him after a few minutes of it being on and said, this is the good prequel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, con- context is important, and it's, it's all relative, right? <laughs> it's good relative to the two that came before it. It's bad relative to most good movies. What do you mean most? It's, it's bad relative to all good movies. Uh, I mean, sure. I'm just, I, I don't want someone to throw something at me and go, you know, and then go, oh, you said this. Anyway, you said Ghost of the Shell. We've kind of deviated from that. <laughs> I did. We, we went off on one because you were a dick. <laughs> But yeah, no, goes to show. We covered this uh, quite a while ago now. It was last March, April. Yeah. Last March, April. Yeah. Um, That's when the new one came out. Mm. Yeah, so we, we covered it just before that, and I think it's fantastic. It's uh, one of the best anime films I've seen. Uh, not, not, not the best anime TV shows, but best anime movies. Um, so Peter probably agrees that it is the best one he's seen. I can't disagree with that. That that is because a, he dislikes a, most of them. So that is a correct statement as a fact. That is a pure it, fact. But it has some. Uh, the, the animation is is fantastic. Uh, it really utilizes its animation for its fight sequences and its action pieces, where it does things that you, you, sure you could do now with CG, but the way it pulls them off and just has it be seamless because it can because it's just drawing it, but doesn't succumb to any of the traps that sometimes you get with animation. It doesn't feel ever feel stilted. It doesn't feel like it has to do big things just because it can. It really plays with its geography of the scene, which, again, is something that you don't get in a lot of animation. Uh, honestly, this might have made my list. Uh, it didn't, because I do think the ending... Uh, like... I, I, I mean, I don't think the ending's bad, but it does feel like it's setting up more stuff. I don't, th- I don't feel like it's like a... A full no, meal when you get to the end, which is why it didn't make my list. But I actually do think it's pretty good, and the animation is really good. And, and a fantastic score. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, very, very stylish. I, 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 I can't, I can't deny that. Uh, my number twelve, uh, also animated, far enough, is Toy Story, Ooh. Uh, the first Pixar film, and I remember seeing this in the theater uh, when I was six years old, and it was a magical experience. I remember I was taken by my mother, and the the, the theater was so packed that uh, we had to sit separately. <laughs> Well, I bet she loved that at six. <laughs> uh, but I was she refusing... didn't give a shit, did she? She was like, "Ah, it's fine." I was refusing the shit seats. You see, I was being, I was yeah, even at six. That, that sounds like you. I yeah. believe this. Even at six, I was like, "No, I'm not sitting there." Yeah, I believe that. So uh, it had to, the arrangement had to be made. But um, no, I mean, toys. I mean, I don't have to sell Toy Story on people, really. Do everyone I? But, knows Toy Story? Yeah. Uh, but as a kid, the, an idea that your toys come to life when you're not around because. You know, the whole thing is you play with toys and you're like, oh, I'm going to pretend they're real. I'm going to pretend they exist. The idea of them actually existing uh, is just a fantastic idea to a kid. And then on top of that, you have the fact that it actually tells stories of abandonment. And then you add in the fact that, oh, he's, it's all about, you know, Andy not having a father figure. And that, that's you know, you, when you get older, you start analysing it and you deconstruct it and you say, okay, yeah. this is what it's, it's really about. It's got a lot going on. I think it's something that most, if not all Pixar movies have, is it works on the multiple le- layers, mm. depending on who's watching. There is, there's... There's always the the simple adventure for the kids, but most, if not all, have something there. You know what the the thematic ideas of what they're dealing with for the other. It, what is what makes them good family movies and not good kids movies, is that anyone can get something out of it. Yeah, uh, and they're usually very well written. And it's funny because you go back now and like I remember it being mind blowing to look at at the time. Now, of course, you know we've had CG movies now for twenty years. That it's, it's a little rougher. Yeah, yeah, it, it looks a bit more simplistic, and that but that's okay. It still it still it's, functions. I, it works. I think it's, it's amazing though that it. That movie sparked a change in animation. Oh, it you know, did. Like, undeni- like that is the one that. Okay, now this is the style that we, we're aiming for. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I remember I may be getting this slightly wrong, but I remember hearing the fact that the bit of trivia that uh, when they when they rendered the the file, mm-hmm. the final file, it took over a week to render. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine having a power outage. Like after like five days of it rendering and just the the insanity that I would feel <laughs> if it all went to shit. I suppose when it's that that high risk, you have backup generators just in case. Like no, yeah, it's yeah. souped up. It's you know hook it into multiple power sources just in case. But it, it is it's funny you know because at the time that was the hard way of doing things. Whereas you know hand drawn animation while it took time was still the easier way. Oh yeah, now my computer could render Toy Story in a few hours. Yeah, exactly. Now, <laughs> like, now that's. That's the cheap thing to shit out. Essentially, if you want a cheap thing, it's it's CG animated, right? Mm. It, I'm not I'm not saying it doesn't take skill. I'm saying that it's just it is easier and cheaper than hiring all the uh, the artists to hand draw everything these days. Uh, do you know what I will say? This is going to sound a bit critical of Pixar, but I, I think it's it's, it's something. I think it's a valid thing to say because I feel like they had the golden era for about ten to fifteen years, and it's been you know a bit less exciting since. They have the, the, the solid movies, not not outright terrible stuff or anything like that, but. Not as exciting, and I think much like the back in the start of the day with Toy Story and then with the other films they did in the next like decade, I think they need the, that strive to do the next thing. Because like, they were breaking ground. They were like, no, we're going to prove this is possible. There was this they hunger were. there. There was this passion yeah. there. And I feel like it's a little bit different now. It's a little bit lacking because... They're, they're, they're the big dog. Yeah, now it's just the normal thing. And I feel like them having that hunger to prove themselves was, you know, it, it showed it their work. Yeah, no, it did. Um, uh, I definitely do. I think there's uh, only still to this day only one bad Pixar. Movie. 
Um, and I recall uh, the year it came out that Buzz Lightyear was the hot Christmas item, which was completely sold out. I never got one. Uh, you know, tough That's times. Tough I times. guess you had your chance again when Toy Story 2 came out. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I cared as much for the time Toy Story 2 came out. But um, I think my taste in toys maybe changed. Cause, you know, gone, over, gone past it a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because it was like three, four years later. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a big difference from, you know, what, six to nine. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, but not that I dislike Toy Story 2 I enjoy Toy Story 2 when it came out but I think, I think to, most a lot of people will prefer Toy Story 2 I would put Toy Story 1 as the better film fair enough but hey uh, what's your number 11 11 so this is a an oddball choice this is one that I saw in my, uh, my, like, my you, like you've not had oddball choices oh, no, no. up until now this, this is this is an oddball choice as in this is this is a cult movie rather than rather than a, a childhood nostalgia movie or being something that's just you know for me Okay. This is specifically an oddball choice. This is Empire Records, which is uh, you know it's it's a teen movie, starring uh, it's got a uh, you know a uh, Liv Taylor in there, and you've got basically a record store that they work in, and it's about to it's an independent record store and it's about to be bought out by a big corporate chain, and it's one day of these you know four or five kids in the in the store like these teenagers trying to save their store and they've got all this big event on there's this egotistical rock star coming in doing some sign-ins and a show and it's it's, it's this fantastic movie if you like these sorts of things of the you know a day in the life of these teens and i love it it's fantastic sounds, i've not seen it but it sounds fine yeah uh, it's one of those that i uh, people either love or hate depending on you know their, their tastes but uh, i think you'll enjoy it i, I, I think I like it. I like the idea of it being all one day. Um, yeah. It's really just a question: Does the comedy work for me or not? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's, but, a, that's a bit more subjective, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's hard to hard to guess. But no, uh, my number eleven, um, also a comedy, is *The Silence of the Lambs*. Uh, this, <laughs> this, uh, of course, a very notable uh, film. One, you know, I think it did the the the, the big five Oscars. It did the big five. Yeah. Uh, it got both actors, um, director, writer. Uh, Film. And film, yeah. That's the obvious fifth one. Yeah. I don't know why I stalled yeah. that. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> yeah. um, it obviously, it's very good. It's very atmospheric. It's uh, it's wonderfully dark and brooding. It's it's one of the, it's one of the most memorable sort of villains of all time. But also, of course, the most memorable. Like when people talk about someone going to get advice from a serial killer, they refer to it as he's the Hannibal Lecter. She's the Hannibal Lecter. It it basically ushered in this term we use to describe something when it's doing that type of it, trope. It changed pop culture in that sense. Yes. Um, now, I may be a little bit of a weirdo, and this might not even be my favourite Hannibal Lecter movie, but it is definitely next on the list. And it is head and shoulders above Red Dragon or Hannibal or Hannibal Rising, which I never even saw Hannibal Rising, but I'm just going to assume it's head and shoulders. I never even saw Red Dragon, now I'm thinking about it. But I'm going to assume, hey, Red Dragon is directed by Brett Ratner. I'm pretty I don't, confident. I don't blame you. I, I'm, I, I, I'm I never pretty, saw it either. I'm pretty confident that this is head and shoulders. Uh, but it's wonderfully broody, and you, you feel this, like, um, it puts you in the shoes of Khalees Starling the whole time, Jodie Foster's character, where... Her, like, wanting to prove herself, but she's constantly disturbed and uneasy by everything around her, by, you know, the the the, the, the morbid conversations we're having, to having 
I'll just say DNA thrown at her face. Um, <laughs> that's the play they put in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to, you know, the autopsy scene and everything's wonderfully uncomfortable. Like it feels so clinical, but at the same time just turned a little bit macabre. And, and it, it's the way that she's always so out of her depth. Yes. Trying. Yes. Absolutely. And Lecter can smell that. And he's, yeah. he's manipulating it. He, he he's, can smell the fear. He's enjoying it. Um, Phenomenal performance. Oh, yeah, fantastic performance. Uh, Foster as well. They're both good in there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and Buffalo Bill. I mean, hell. Mm. He's a good, great, good villain. Great villain, yeah. Great villain. And you know what? I don't know. There's a guy alive who, after watching that movie, didn't tuck it between his legs during the shower just to just to see how it looked. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> that was an admission. That was an admission. Record it. <laughs> More of an agreement than admission, but sure. Take, take what you will. I'll admit. I'll admit. Uh, yeah. Not done again in cinema until Steve Coogan and uh, the Alan Partridge movie. Oh, God. Hey, I like that movie. What's wrong with that movie? I, I, I'm not a, a fan of the, the Alan Partridge stuff. I didn't think I was until I just randomly saw that movie, and I was like, this is actually pretty funny, and I went back and watched the show. It's not bad. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan of it. It's strange. I, I often like mm. Steve Coogan, but not, not the Alan Partridge stuff. Yeah, fair enough. But hey... Uh, Sansa Labs, very good. Uh, what's your number? Oh, we're only 10 now. This is one that you mentioned not so long ago. This is Toy Story. Hmm. Because we just went over this in, in a lot of detail. A fair bit of detail, yes. We need to go into it too long. But yeah, it's a fantastic movie. And, you know, everything we already talked about. That's why it's top 10. Very good. My number 10 is Fargo. Um, Coen Brothers movie, of course. This is the 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 murder. I don't know what we call it a mystery. Cause it's not really a mystery, but it's the the cop quirky, like dark but funny. Like it, you know, it's, it's such a unique mm. tone. It's the Coen Brothers tone. You you refer to this as a Coen style movie if something yeah. like this happens again. Um, and of course, it's you know they've done the show now, and the show is actually very good uh, for the most part uh, in capturing the spirit of this and what it, what it does. I, I would say I prefer the show. I, I like this movie well enough. I don't mm. love it. Hmm. But I think the show took that and ran with it. Uh, that's that's fair. Um, I think you've got a, a fantastic cast. You've got William H Macy. You got mm. Steve Buscemi. Um, you know, just stealing stealing their 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 scenes and uh, their moments. Um, of course, um, uh, Freeman, his character was very much the the Macy character from the movie in a lot of ways. Like there was definitely correlations between who. Oh was yeah, who. that first scene was kind of a remake of the movie. Yeah. Um, a little bit different, you know. Obviously, they established it was set in the same universe. Eventually, once yeah. once we got far but enough, thematically, but... that season is kind of the movie, whereas the other seasons do something completely different. Yes, yes. No UFOs in the the movie. Um, Would have been improved with UFOs. Not that I remember. Anyway, I mean, maybe someone older. No, there was actually technically, if you remember, yeah. in that one scene, there was a UFO in the background. I'm like, oh, yeah. really? Yeah. Uh, but no, uh, wonderful characters. Uh, I love that the the lead detective is this pregnant housewife I mean she's obviously a cop but she's this pregnant wife who like you know she's struggling to move around and it's this very kind of it's, it's the whole Minnesota nice thing where she's very casual she she's not like the, the hard hitting detective who walks in takes off the sunglasses like we're going to find this murderer she's like no it's just a day at the job it's a day at the office yeah. and she's like oh complain about her back as she's like also solving the crime it's yeah. just it's, again it's very different it's very down to earth in that sense and it, it mixes the the quirky surrealism with the mundane normality and kind of fuses them in this yeah. perfect mesh. And again, and that's plays the it all up with the 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 ridiculous accent. Yes. So and the yeah, the accent, of course. 
Yes, which again is now the Fargo accent. I, you know, it is. Yeah. So, uh, Fargo. I, do you know, do you know what I love about that accent is I don't even know how accurate it is as a Minnesota accent anymore. But if someone tells me a Minnesota accent, I think of the Fargo accent. <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah. What's your number nine? Uh, my number nine. What we got? Oh, yeah. So another one we have covered on the show. This is the Iron Giant, which I have a feeling you might have coming up in a little bit. But uh, we did cover it quite in depth on the movie. Not not quite the best Brad Bird movie, but unfortunately, the best Brad Bird movie isn't eligible for this list. I was in your last decade list. Shut up. <laughs> I know. I just want to make a point. Yes. I just want to remind everyone that it's not the best one. No matter what you might say. I but just... no, this is a, a heartwarming tale of, of a boy and a robot who is Superman. <laughs> okay. Keep, keep it simple. To the point. Yes. Uh, my number nine is one that you had a bit earlier. And that is Pulp Fiction. By a bit earlier, I had it in like the first couple. Yes, yes, clearly the wrong place for it, uh, as one would one would expect. Uh, no, I mean, unlike Connor, I do quite enjoy Tarantino. He has, and I love that this movie is called Pulp Fiction because that's how I describe his movies in general. He makes the best pulp. They're all pulp. They're all they're all inspired by the movies he loved in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, further back than that as well. But definitely the 70s. There's a lot of 70s vibes in a lot of his movies. Um, it doesn't even matter that it's, you know, present day 1994. Like, you know, just Samuel Jackson's, like, hair and, like, sideburns as he's walking around. It feels like the 70s. It just has that feeling to it. Um, but no, it's an anthology movie. You've got all these stories. You've got this all-star cast. It's amazing. that Even though, like, you think, okay, it's a bit earlier. Maybe some of them... I mean, you know, Samuel Jackson maybe wasn't huge yet. Because, he, you know, he wasn't yet. But... Bruce Willis was still... He was already big. Like, you know, yeah. there's other cast members in here who are already huge names. Christopher Walken is in there. Like, he'd already built up enough cred to have all yeah. these actors. No, it's one of those that now, you, you tell me a Tarantino cast, I don't bat an eyelid no matter who it is. Because yes. I expect huge names. Exactly. But obviously, this was still relatively early in his career, and it was like, you know, okay, here, here's, here's some pretty big names for, for this level of a director. Yes, it's his second movie, so... Um, but no, it's it's funny, it's violent, it's it's. But again, ultimately, Tarantino, what he does so well is two characters talking to each other. It's the back and forth. It's the inane conversations about cheeseburgers on the way to their their job. And when I say job, they're you know they're, they're, they're hitmen slash you know uh, debt collectors. <laughs> like they're not. This is not a normal job. Not not going to an office. Yes. Um. Darkly funny. Uh, all over the place. Uh, it's got so much energy, like every scene kind of oozes style and presence. You know, something as simple as Travolta taking Emma Thurman's character to to this this ridiculous fifties style diner. Uh, it's also a dance club, and then going to the dancing competition. There's so much style to that scene. I mean, I'm not someone who really is into dance or cares about dance, but the way that's filmed, the way the camera pulls back and they just kind of go for it, there's a, there's a pacing, there's a, there's a tone to it. Uh, like I say, it's, it's oozing style, uh, both, both in visuals and in dialogue. Um, and that's, that's what makes it pulp. It's the ultimate pulp. It's, it's not like it's super deep. It's not like there's some big, like, you know, dramatic point that he's making. It's just ultra good storytelling. That's all it is. Uh, like I said, uh, way back when at the, the start of this list is, uh, you know, I like this one more than other Tarantino movies because I think it's got a bit of the, the quirk to it that I can enjoy. 
it's it's when you know the what what for most people is the chore of the Tarantino movies is the you know the the cheeseburger conversations, where I'm kind of like, okay, this is going on too long now. I'm bored. No, you're mad. Uh, yeah, you're mad. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what holds me back from from Tarantino. What's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is one that's already been mentioned. This is a uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know everything everything that we already discussed. It's the this big, this big adventure coming out of the animated series, that is you know, very much you know they say it's a deconstruction of Batman. Is who is he and and what is he, and and why is he why is he you know why does he exist essentially? Where is he? Well, not so much where. I mean, I know you're playing to the joke, but <laughs> that one doesn't that was not eligible. Why is Batman? Yeah, that was the one I just said. Who is Batman? Where is Batman? What is Batman? Yeah, but we we don't we don't need who so much. When is Batman? <laughs> What, 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 and why? I think are the key questions the movie asks. You know, what, what does Batman mean, and why does it exist? Just you know, to get to ruin all that, we're going going on too far. But <laughs> no, I, I think it does it in, in a really, really well paced way. That again, something that we talk about animation is, I feel like the pacing can often be really off. You know, especially with a lot of quick animation and not that this was quick but this was connected to a tv show so you you often expect uh, lesser from it especially when it was ultimately a kids tv show uh but it is paced fantastically so that, that really helps yeah my number eight it's been brought up as the matrix um science fiction cyberpunk it is it was kind of a mind-blowing movie for me uh, when it came out. I was 10, and I think I saw it the year it came out. I didn't see it in the theatres, obviously. I wasn't young. I wasn't old enough to actually go and see it. But uh, Sneaking. by the time it was at home release, I saw it. And I think it was kind of like a mind-blowing, different type of sci-fi that I hadn't experienced yet. And I don't know if it's necessarily my favourite in this genre of sci-fi, but it means a lot to me because it opened up to that, that world. And... Like you said, it actually holds up really well. It's a solidly good film with this brimming with ideas, uh, cool action sequences, much better than the second film, which you know they went over, did it with the CG, and you know it's just like CG. There, there, are, there are really nice ideas in the second movie in the action sequences. The the ideas of what they're trying to do. Yeah, nice. but it, it looks like a, like a PS2 game. It, it does. Yeah. Whatever you know, it, it, it just doesn't look good enough. Whereas the first movie was mind blowing with when it when it did the bullet time stuff, when it when it did the the shootout in the, the lobby, for example. Yeah, and and it's, these are the things that why for a long time I'd kind of forgot about it because these these ideas got overdone and aped because everyone tried to be the Matrix mm. for like the next decade. Everyone wanted to be that, and yeah, you know, I forgot how good it was at its core. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Be the one who sets the trend. Don't be the one who raids the trend. Is basically yeah. the the advice there. Um, Pretty much. And it's funny, it's a shame the Wachowskis are so up and down and they've never really captured this again. They've had a couple of good movies. Like I really like Speed Racer, for, for better yeah, or worse. What was the last great movie that they did? Speed Racer? <laughs> yeah, when was that? 2008? Something like that? Yeah. Well, I never so, saw yeah. Cloud Atlas. Well, no, sorry, I did see Cloud Atlas. Nice ideas, but was really distracted and overlong. A uh, lot of problems with it. I never saw Jupiter Ascending, but everything but I've heard... like trash. Yeah, everything I've heard has been pretty... Um, although I have heard it's a beautiful mess. Like, you know, it's one of those ones where you can watch and kind of 
just look at the scenery. Yeah, yeah. and just be like, I, I believe that. I just be like, oh, what, why, why did they make this decision? Who are these? You know, it's one you can make fun of as you're as you try yeah. to figure out what the hell's happening. Um, you got your Matrix sequels, which you know, less said about them, the better. Yeah. It's a shame, but it's few and far between, isn't it? The Matrix is a goddamn classic. It's, it's like they blew their load in one movie, and then they, they just did, didn't know what to follow it up with. And it had a lot of fun with Speed Racer, like I said, but it's not, not in the, the same, same league level. as this. You know, it's, it's it's a fun movie, but uh, nah. So yeah, Matrix, great. I wish it number seven. Yeah, continuing the trend of things that have been mentioned earlier, which let's be honest, happens a lot at these point of the lists. Well, anyway. it's because it's, it's, typically it's the best movies up here, so it makes sense yeah. that they're. Yeah. Uh, yeah, th- this is seven. Uh, again, you know, this is one that uh, I appreciate even more watching. Wait, it, hold on, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Seven at seven. You've I got know. seven at I've number seven. I've only just noticed. Jesus Christ, that was intentional. You're, you're. No, swear it that, this is for a cheap pop. This is this plate of the cheap seats right now. <laughs> I didn't even notice until you said, "Wait a minute." I was like, "What? Why? What?" what? I was like, and then I looked. It was like, oh, oh, seven, seven. <laughs> I, I am I am suddenly shocked that when we did the last the two thousands countdown, you didn't have ten things I hear about you at number ten. This, I I promise this was not intentional. I I hadn't even noticed. Look, if I'd noticed, I'd have made a joke about it. I'd have ran into it with with that joke. I'd have gone, yo, at seven is seven. I'd I'd have really gone with it, but I didn't because it just didn't occur to me. Mm-hmm. God damn it. <laughs> Now, now I kind of wish I'd had it at like eight or six, just so just so we didn't have this. Go on then. <laughs> Come seven. It's I'm annoyed at myself still, but no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, rewatching it the, not so long ago really made me appreciate it a bit more. You know, uh, the 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 depth of it beyond. Again, this is something that you you kind of just remember the you know the, the the core ideas and you know the yeah, I, you know, what's in the box got done to death. Yeah, you remember the flashy death scenes and what's in the box. Yeah, but when you actually watch it, and 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 it's the characters that really oh, stand. I'll be just correct myself. Crime scenes, not death scenes. Yeah, they always die off screen. I'm I'm just yeah. making that clear. Uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know yeah. what you meant. But it's it's the characters that yeah you know, that you don't remember over, over the you know decades since you previously watched it, whatever it was. You you remember all the you know the big shocking gruesome parts. Yeah, but it's but, the characters and the, the battle of ideals. That yeah, and, and some of the smaller touches, like you know, just the, the 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 city as a whole and the way it looks, and then when you finally get out of the city, where there's oh, there's color, there's a world out here beyond this depressing city. Yeah, almost to uh, like a fault where no matter what time of day it is, they still need flashlights inside the the, the houses when they're investigating the crime scenes. Yeah. It's it? always just so grimy yeah. and just dank. Yeah, they need good black levels for that. that. That's one where, like, I can't imagine streaming it. Like, you know, I've got the Blu-ray, and I can't imagine having anything with a lower bit rate because that's when you... Like, bright scenes looked almost just as good on, like, a Netflix or an Amazon stream as they do in Blu-ray, but it's when you get to night scenes and dark scenes where it's like, no, no, I can see where the bit rate is making a huge difference. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. Because uh, you see all, the, all the, the, the pixel lines and all the... Yeah. yeah. It's, so. Uh, but hey, uh, so... Well, we're on number six. How how can I forget that that was seven? Uh, number six on. Do, do we need your seven? Oh yeah, my seven. Oh, you're right. I'm fl- I flipped round for some reason. Yeah, my number seven. Uh, I was too busy making fun of you to 
realise what <laughs> to, number to, actually. To realise that you yeah. haven't done yours. Uh, yeah, my number seven is uh, Back to Tarantino. This is Reservoir Dogs, which uh, I was actually, like, I, I wouldn't have said definitively that I liked Reservoir Dogs more than Pulp Fiction, I don't think, until I sat down and thought about it. Until you, until you had to make yeah. the call for this. And I sat down and thought about it, and I went, you know what, Pulp Fiction, sorry, Reservoir Dogs is a movie despite some flashbacks to sort of explain what's going on, it's almost entirely set in one room. It is the minimalist type of bottle filmmaking that I love. It's like, okay, he's got a great cast. He's got Tim Roth. He's got Harvey Keitel, uh, Michael Madsen. He's got all these, you know, some of these guys who are his regulars. But the beauty of it is, is that it makes this entire situation and this tense sort of like thriller out of just them in the aftermath of this robbery attempt and what's happening because of it. Uh, It's great. I love it. Fair enough. Uh, you know, it isn't the the idea that it's a you know a, a bottle film you know all in one room that, that puts me off because you know, for example, look at you know uh, last year Free Fire. Love that movie. I thought it was excellent. That's not as good as Reservoir Dogs, but yeah, sure. But no, no, it's way better because Reservoir Dogs bored the tits off me. Oh no, you no uh, the. Again, this is just you coming back to not liking Tarantino's dialogue and pacing. It is, it is the dialogue. But when I don't like when 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 the movie is all dialogue, and you don't like the dialogue, it's kind of unwatchable. Oh no, it's fantastic. Uh, it's it's exactly the type of small inventive film I like. It does so much with so little, uh, and I'm so into it when I'm watching it. And then, you know, it, it has some twists and turns. It has the even again going back to the idea of each films being really pulpy that you don't even know their names. They're just Mister Brown, Mister Pink. Mr. White, like they're, they're just the name, Mr. Blonde. Uh, it just it, it hits all these points so well. It's really easy to remember a lot of the details because it keeps them nice and simple and has fun telling its story. Uh, and like I can say, great cast, uh, excellently paced. Obviously, you don't agree with that, but I think it's excellently paced. I, I don't have a problem with the pacing. Weirdly, it's the, the pacing's not the problem, it's just what they're saying is boring. Okay. Fair enough, but uh, love it. And at least in this sense, I know you're in the minority. I, oh, I, I feel like I, I have I, a lot I of people on my side with this. So, yeah. I, I, I am sure I will get plenty of shit for my opinion on on Tarantino. Yes. but I'm used to it. Um, <laughs> and then you've got the classic opening scene about uh, tipping the waitress, which is always always amusing. Uh, but hey, so uh, what's your number six? Uh, my number six is Eyes Wide Shut. This hmm. is. Maybe my favourite Kubrick movie. That is freaking bold. Yeah. What's funny, I'll spoil this now. I, this did not make my list, and it almost did. And the reason why it didn't is because I feel like I need to watch it again before I make that call. Yeah, I've, I've seen it a couple of times, and I I, I, I really liked it the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I say, it's, it's kind of close. But the second time, I loved it. I was too young to appreciate it the first time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. To, to put it in perspective, I think I was excited to see boobs when I watched it the first time. That puts you in the right kind of... Mm, about, about, about 13. <laughs> something in that region. Yeah. Um, 12, 13, something in there. And I, I think, you know, I think the actual nuance in what the movie was about was just probably lost on oh, me. Over the time. head, yeah. Uh, watching it about... Probably 10 years... Yeah, it was the Blu-ray. Because I, I, was, I was getting all the Kubrick Blu- Blu-rays, you know, back at the, the 2008-ish. Uh, and I remember, okay, I'll get that one as well. Yeah, I'll get Eyes Wide Shut, I'll watch that again. And I remember liking it a lot when I've seen it again. Uh, but I feel like I need to see it again. Because I, I, I think if I... Basically, I got to a point in this list, if I couldn't remember the movie enough to explain why I liked it, I kept it off the list. That's fair. It's such... You know, for me, this is such a, an intricate movie. There's so much going on that 
it feels like there's there should be too much in it. It feels like it almost should be a mess, but it just flows so well. Hmm. Like between all these different ideas. Yeah. And uh, it, it, I was going to say it's very confident. Like, you know, Kubrick knows what he's doing. It is. Like, um, it, 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 it's something that a lesser director, this would just be a mess because there is so much in there. But it's just this, this exploration of the, this one, this man and his, his relationship with his, with his wife and and just, you know, how, how these certain events affect him. Yeah, it's, it's insecurity, it's jealousy, yeah. um, it's all these things. Um, and it's just, it's a beautiful movie as well, which I, you know, I suppose it, is to be expected from Cuba. Yeah, and it's all pretty much set in one night as well. Like yeah. It does that thing where it's just him one night trying... going around the city essentially. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very good. I would not agree it's his best. Like I, I do think. And I think most people would probably jump in and say, "No, nah, there's a couple of films." Uh, no, I, I, I get that yeah. this isn't the popular choice, but it's the one that I, I, I do like the most. So uh, you know, I, I, like, I like a lot of them. Don't get me wrong, I like a lot of them a lot. That's why they've been high on other lists and you know, when they've been applicable. Mm. But. This one, it just it just gets me weird, you know. I, I love the the. No. It's just such a different tone. That, this is one that will likely place fairly high when I watch it again on this this list. Mm. Uh, but I couldn't remember enough to really articulate why I liked it, and because of that, I said, you know what, I can't go on the list then because I can't actually explain it why. Uh, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but I do like it. Uh, my number six, the sixth sense. You did that on purpose. You <laughs> After giving me the shit for doing seven accidentally, you do this. And you knew you had this coming, you prick. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, six sets. Uh, the the, the Shyamalan film that set him on the scene and everyone discovered the name M. Night Shyamalan. Uh Obviously, it's easy to make fun of him now uh, for a good decade or so of really bad movies. Uh, and he was a bit pretentious and kind of had his head up his own ass. But he did get that rep- he, he did get the ego because he got such good praise for his first couple of movies. Yeah, it, it was deserved. Yes. Uh, and Sixth Sense is a really good movie that works no matter how much you've seen it already. It's, it's one of those movies with a twist where... The movie is enhanced the second time once you know what the twist is. Kind of similar to what I was saying earlier about Fight Club. Mm. Um, you notice things you didn't before. You understand how it plays into the themes better than you did the first time. But it's such a great ride the first time that that's not a, a, a negative on the first time viewing either. It it just it works. It's it's stylish. It's you know it, it's one that gets you teary eyed. I think um, has a, a has a very hopeful ultimate message that it's going for, and one that really works. Um, it's yeah, and obviously you've got uh, Bruce Willis while he was still putting in his A game. Well, you know before yeah. he started phoning it in, which when, he's, when he cared, when he's been, which he's been doing for a long time. I really hope he's pulling it out for glass. I, I really hope this is the one that he's not going to phone it in. Uh, please, 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 Bruce. What am I going to say here? Come on, Bruce. Anyway, um, but no, Haley Joel Osment is really good. Tony Collette is his mother, also very good. I think that's a performance that gets forgotten more than it should. But her concern over her son, who she thinks is having like mental issues because he thinks he sees ghosts, um, her frustration at that is actually f- wonderful. Um, now he does, she doesn't know that, of course. She just thinks he's uh, got issues. In fact, one of the big scenes towards the end, you know, not to get into too spoilery details, but when he tells her and he, he just explains it to her, 
if he's honest with her, it's like a really powerful scene. And that's obviously the scene that everyone remembers as the ending because of the, the reveal, but yeah. uh, which I won't get into just for, for sake in case you somehow don't know what the ending of The Sixth Sense is. But I mean, I don't know if there's that many people left that don't, but, you know, be respectful anyway. Hey, there's new people born every day. Some of them will grow up not knowing and can watch it and be blown away. So uh, That's fair. Out of respect for them, I do not but, talk about it. I, I, I do this. It's just, there are two types of movies with the twist. There are the, t- the type that this plays once and it blows your mind and it's you know it's great mm-hmm. and then when you rewatch it it's like you because you, you know where the twist is and you're kind of just waiting for it and it loses a lot of its impact right yeah and then there's the type which where like this where it's it's better the next time around where you know where it's going and you see the smaller details yeah um and i think he surpassed it i mean i, th- I think Shyamalan surpassed his own film in general with unbreakable i think unbreakable is his best film but uh, similarly, I think James Newton Howard did a fantastic score here. That only got better with Unbreakable. He did such yeah. a unique job with Unbreakable, but it's a great score. Uh, so that's the six heads and number six. Uh, what's number five, Connor? Still not over that shite. You're no, trying to think uh, of a film with five in the title from the nineties, just so you can troll just, me. Just quickly throw it in. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I haven't got anything. Uh, no, uh, my number five is A Bug's Life. That's that's right. I think this is better than Toy Story. I think this is a, a fantastic movie. This is, of course, a, 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 a an animated remake of Seven Samurai, and you know it's it's the you know the the oddballs defending the village, and the 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 adventure that it is to get to that, and of course you saw some some, uh, you know the, the the animation's a bit better than Toy Story. Of course, at the time it was great. Now it's it's still you know, it's a bit dated now. But yeah, looking at what it was, I think it's fantastic, and uh, this has a, a great score as well. Um, I think it's overlooked quite a lot. Hmm. Above Toy Story is a bold choice, one I cannot quite get behind. But uh, I'll be honest, I don't remember this one well enough to really have have much of an opinion on it. I remember oh. thinking it was fine when I saw it as a kid. But and what's funny is, I believe let me just double check. I do have the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've got them all. And I've, all the ones down there somewhere. And I've not seen it since I was a kid, which means I bought that Blu-ray like six years ago and still haven't watched it. Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> which again, so so you you've not seen that since you've seen Seven Samurai. I suppose that's I true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I think that would be an interesting one for you to rewatch with that in mind. I mean, you know, that, going into it in that. I've seen Seven Samurai multiple times since right. since I saw Bugs Life. Oh, yeah, and. and I think it'd, it'd be interesting for you to watch it with that in mind. You know, I'm sure you, as a kid you didn't know, you didn't care. Hmm. Admittedly, but, out of the two of these, I think Seven Samurai is the one that we have to do an influx on someday if we're of picking course, one of them. I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing that. Because it's Kurosawa. We've only done one Kurosawa film. We have to start racking up that Kurosawa counter a yeah, little bit. We, have, we, we haven't even done one of the Samurai ones yet. I know, yeah. We did uh, one of his, his uh, crime films first. Yeah, very good, though. Oh, it was very good, yes. Uh, but hey, uh, so that was what? Number five. five. Uh, number five, one that has been brought up, Brad Bird's best film, The Iron Giant. Second best. <laughs> uh, give it a couple of months and it'll be third best. It's confidence. Poppycock. Poppycock. Now, Iron Giant is heartwarming. It plays into everything I love about kids' movies where... It's the kid believing in something the adults won't, but the kid is right to believe. And it's that belief and the hope of the kid helping the Iron Giant that makes the Iron Giant who he is by the end of the film and ultimately a hero. Uh, and you alluded to the Superman connections uh, and parallels. They are definitely there. Um, 
I love I love the film. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's fantastic. Beautiful. But there's an episode on it. You can go. You can go and get it. Is, as much as I'm I'm having fun by saying it's not his best movie. Yeah, well, I still had it at number nine. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah, um, I uh, I mean I'm tempted to just joke with Connor and put Incredibles below like all of his other films just to make fun of him a little bit. But you, you you don't mean that, and I know that. Ghost Protocol, Tomorrowland, and then Incredible Summer. But I might buy <laughs> from you that you have Ghost Protocol above it. I don't think you do, but I might buy that. But even you, yeah. went, and I like Tomorrowland as well, I don't think you can actually say that is better than Incredibles and mean it. I, I don't think anyone can say that. That, that is just a lie. Of course I don't. I mean, I like Tomorrowland, though. To, to, I, I think Tomorrowland got a, got a bad rap. Yeah, I think it's very good. When it it's came out. A, it's uh, a lot of fun. I think Tomorrowland's much better than the people at the time would have you believe. But um, anyway, number four. Yeah. So one, one we talked about at length already. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I I really like this movie, and uh, this this is one where I I I watched it, and then I went away. I was like, right, okay, I need to read the book now, because I just I just needed to to get more of that that story, and. I think the the fact that it, it holds up against the book so well and it's it's got it really translates that atmosphere so perfectly that I know I, I think it's fantastic. There you go. I've already talked about it, so yeah. I I'll move on to my number four, and it is Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. I did I didn't even have the balls to do that as a troll. <laughs> my actual number four is the Truman Show. Uh, which is a science fiction film with Jim Carrey where he, at birth, was put in a dome, a fake world, and he is a reality TV show where everyone is watching him. Ed Harris is in it. He plays the sort of guy who runs the show. And it is a fantastic satire. And it's what's great about it is that it came before the real reality TV wave hit. But it's mm. so relevant to all of that. Uh, it's relevant to you know just a deconstruction of media and how we consume media, uh, what's in it. Uh Interesting. I believe Hitchcock, no oh, Scully, Scully from Brooklyn Nine Nine's in this movie. Oh, he's really? he's one of the guys because every so often it cuts to like the audience watching. He's one of the yeah. audience members, I'm sure. Um, but no, it's it's a wonderful story about a man realizing that his life is fake and he's trying to break out of his fake bubble. And he he starts questioning: Is his wife real? Is his job real? He starts to notice things, uh, and it's this journey of self discovery, but in a really literal way because. It's a sci-fi movie where he's living in a big dome. <laughs> yeah, cool. it's, it's fantastic. Truman Show is great. Truman Show is another one. Kelly Man in the Moon, where when I first saw it, when it came out, I was expecting a Jim Carrey comedy. I didn't get that. It was disappointing. I watched it again at like 17, 18 and thought, holy shit, this is fantastic. So Truman Show is very good. What was your number three? Uh, my number three is Jurassic Park. This is, you know, Jurassic Park. <laughs> not, not much needs to be said, is there? It's It's dinosaurs gone wild you know it's got everything you got all the you got the, the tension with the, you know, the velociraptor you've got the the excitement with the t-rex you know you've got a bit of everything and you have john williams third best work maybe yeah second okay i mean i'll go fight too i think i'm going with third but it's it's phenomenal right i like that our first are probably completely different Oh uh, yeah, uh, my, my my second might be your first, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if if it's if it's what I think it is. The Superman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my second. 
my number three is D3, the mate I'm kin. Uh My number three is Jurassic Park. I was going to jump in, but I wanted to make my D3 joke. So, uh, so, you, so you held off. You I held, held off. <laughs> You're the worst. Jurassic Park, little bit, little known fact, to quote uh, Cliff from Cheers, uh, is the first film I ever saw in the theatre when I was four years old. First. Oh, and interestingly, I saw it again when it, they re-released it for the 20th, 25th anniversary? It must have been 25th. Yeah, it was 25th. Because it was only a few years, it wasn't... It wasn't right. Yeah, it wasn't... Well, I don't, I don't know when it was, so I can't help. Yeah. No, wait, no, 20th, because, yeah, it was 2013. Yeah, 20th, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm just mixing up my math in my head. Uh, yeah, it was the 20th anniversary, they put it back in the theatre. I actually saw it twice then, because I saw it with one group of friends, and then another group of friends went to go see it, and I was like, okay, well, fine, I'll see Jurassic I, w- I would Park. love to see it in the cinema, you know, to, <clears throat> to get that experience. Oh, the rumble of the T-Rex. The, 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 the sound, it's... It's something that I, I say a lot about, um, you know, Godzilla, you know, twenty fourteen. Mm. That is one of the best cinema experiences, just for the sound of, you know, being in the room. Where and I feel like Jurassic Park has a similar effect. That I'd love to experience. I also, I think it was one of the first movies that were released with five point one sound. Oh really? I think it was. Um, it wasn't Dolby though. I think it was DTS. I think DTS got to five point one for releases yeah. before Dolby did. If I remember good. my audio history a little bit. But it was around that time. That, that was when okay, stereo stereo had been a thing for a while, uh, since you know for maybe a decade or so before that. Um, a bit longer than that, I think. Um, oh, sorry. Well, Dolby stereo was because it was. Yeah. I think it was like because before because if you get if you ever and I know I'm a bit of a nerd here, but if you ever get to the end of the credits in a movie and you get the audio logos, there was a time before Dolby when it was just like uh, stereo D or something like that. It was just like a generic yeah. stereo like company. Yeah. But I mean, you know, stereo as a, in audio in general was what fifties, sixties. Oh yeah, but it wasn't really in movies. Uh, no, it, until... it, I mean what seventies maybe. Seventies, yeah. eighties. It, it was a bit longer than than just the the, the ten years. I think. The, I'll put it this way: there were still movies in the seventies coming out that the original tracks were all mono. There were, yeah. Uh, that, that, and I know that because. Um, before they started remixing them all, like you'd get them on the DVDs, you'd get the, the, the just yeah. a mono track for this movie because stereo didn't really kick in. I, I think it's probably around Star Wars time is when stereo, yeah, late seventies, when that really started to be a thing for movies. And I think the reason why it didn't become a thing yet was probably because most people at home weren't using stereo for for TVs; they were just using yeah. a mono speaker. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. They 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 were starting to move into stereo for listening to music. Yeah. But they hadn't got there to, for the for the screen yet. It's funny how long it took for these technologies to gain hold. When nowadays a new technology, like we're going through them so fast. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Anyway, uh, but yeah, um, Jurassic okay. Park's very good. Uh, uh, I will say you're, you're very lucky to have had that as your first movie in the cinema. Yeah, that's a pretty good one to have. It is a pretty good one. What was your first movie in the cinema? Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, I mean, I say that, that there was probably a couple I saw before that, you know, that I was taken to, but that's the first one I remember. <laughs> uh, you could probably get your mother locked up for child abuse. Oh, she had no part in it. No? Father? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, well. Get him locked up for child abuse then. Yeah, why not? G- gave you ginger hair and put you into Phantom Menace as your first movie in the theater. I mean, that's just that's just to, cruelly... to, to be fair. At the time, we didn't know Phantom Menace was going to be shite. <laughs> there was there was an excitement. Number two, I'm going with a two. 
I'm going for it. I'm going with the you know you you've been making the joke since seven. T two Terminator Two Judgment Day. It is yeah. It's also my number two. I was going to make the same uh, joke. Beat <laughs> <laughs> you to it. Well, because you're going first for each number. <laughs> it's five. I still thought of it. it counts. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't sit here and talk about it, and then have you butt in with the joke. <laughs> uh Air Two is fantastic. It is, isn't it? Yes. We, we, we spoke about this at length in the sci-fi list. Yes, 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 yes. And we've still actually done the Terminator movies on in flux. They will definitely happen someday. When that new Terminator movie that's threatening us with comes out, we'll be doing all the Terminator movies, even the bad ones. Yes, it's definitely. happening. Uh, yeah, you know, I've only seen the first three. Oh boy! Oh, oh no, no, I've seen half of of the fourth one it's the fifth one you need to fear yeah i i i I didn't dare oh you'll dare judgment is coming don't threaten me with it please i don't want to (laughs) oh dear hey just hope there's never another diehard movie so you'd have to watch diehard five god please don't make me do that (laughs) uh terminator 2 is an example of how you do a sequel uh, arguably, I would say Aliens is even a better example, but that's the 80s, so we're on the 90s here, and yeah. Terminator's a fantastic film. I, I mean, I'm at a point now in my life where I'd probably put Terminator 1 a bit higher than Terminator 2. Yeah, I think we both agreed with that on yeah, the sci-fi list, because I, I had that first, and I, I said it was probably a controversial choice, and, and then you end up agreeing with me. And I think Terminator 2, though, has a lot of great elements um, that Terminator 1 does not have. I mean, obviously it's higher budget, it's got big slicker action, the T-1000 was like a a groundbreaking thing. I mean, the effects. I mean, James Cameron, of course, used CGI in The Abyss. And even that wasn't the first time CG was used, but it was the first time CG was used for something like that. Yeah. Something... It's, it's funny how we didn't really talk about the CG in Jurassic Park, which was obviously groundbreaking as well. A year later, must yeah. mentioning. Uh, it was, yeah. Uh, what's, what's funny about the Jurassic Park is that that was very... I mean, Terminator 2 as well, they're both very good at only using it when absolutely necessary. It's and they the, mix it with... the blend with the yeah. animatronics, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and t- and I think it helps with Terminator 2 that the liquid metal Terminator, the T-1000 that they're using it for primarily, is something that's so unrealistic anyway that you don't necessarily go, hey, that looks, that looks wrong. Well, it can't look wrong, yeah. really. No. And, and, you know, it's it's one of these where it spawned an over-reliance on CG, where, but these are examples of how to do it right. I think we're, we're slowly starting to get back to this. I mean, as much as you don't like a lot of the, the newer Star Wars movies... And they do have moments of not great CG, don't get me wrong. They ha- they have a strong focus on practical effects as well. Hmm. Um, and it's nice to see a return to that. I'll, I'll always champion more practical mixed in with the CG. Um, it's funny, though, because Cameron with Avatar, it's funny that that is so much CG in that movie. It's all CG, essentially, yeah. Uh, well, no, there's actors as well. There is, but it's, it's so much of it is reliant on the CG, is what I mean. But, like... I'd argue that he, with that movie, like, I mean, talk about the plot or whatever you want, but I think it's one of the best-looking CG movies ever. Like, it, it just is. It is. I dread to know how long it took to render. Has that sheen up? Well, that's the thing. The computers between 2009, it probably was quicker than Toy Story. Probably, but still longer than your average. <laughs> um, also, I can't imagine. Like, why would you render it all in one anyway? Like, Render ten minute chunks and then splice it together. God damn it! Don't yeah, be a fool. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> like, there's ways to do it that are more easy and They're more efficient, less yeah. dangerous. Um, even if you've only got the one system that can do it, it's still just safer so that there's no problem that wipes the whole thing. I'm, I'm just I agree. whatever. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, 
but uh, Terminator 2, um, it, you know, this is the story of the robot kind of like go, going more towards the Iron Giant side where it's the robot learning humanity yeah. Yeah. and going over to the right side and the idea that um, the, the robots don't inherently have to be evil and you've got the story of, the, again, it's the kid who makes them realise that, it's the kid who teaches them that. Um, yes. And it's, it's, some of the best character development as well for Sarah Connor who, into the second movie, in yeah, completely changed into this other person. So, yeah. Um, I, I think it's funny that we talk about how this and Aliens are great sequels. I think for very similar reasons that they're, you can kind of pick or choose which of them you prefer, you know, between Alien and Aliens or Terminator and Terminator 2. You can, yeah. It's kind of down to preference because they're arguably equally as good. And it's just, well, which one do you prefer? And Because they're just doing such vastly different things to, to its predecessor. But I think that's the key in both cases, is that they're doing different things. It didn't just say, oh, I'm just going to make the same movie again. I'm going to evolve it and do something it's different. It's something that you, you really, even now, you don't see very often in sequels. But it's uh, one of the best ways to handle it is because you, you don't give them what they want. You don't give them what they're expecting. You just do something completely fre- fresh. Yeah. Something fresh that makes sense in the, yeah, in the of context of the, of the world. Uh, absolutely. Which, which is why like, people make fun of Avatar. And I mean, I like Avatar well enough. I, I'm, I'm someone who enjoys it for what it is. But it's what people make fun of it. And, make fun, and yeah, okay, I, I admit it's silly that there's like five of them planned already. Like, I get it. It's, it's a bit much. But he is so good with sequels and like up in the game in the second movie that I'm kind of excited about what he's got planned for Avatar That's 2. That's fair. I think my problem is I just don't give a shit anymore. It's been you know so long. I don't. Oh, you know, I don't the first one's that. not I... that special, so it's. I think that's the difference with 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 these sequels. You're coming off phenomenal movies already, and then oh, sure. doing something different. Whereas with Avatar, it's coming off an okay movie. Oh sure, um, he's laid some groundwork, and they can go do wacky things now. I I feel like. I'm not someone who gets particularly fussed if it's been too long since the last movie came out. I don't really care. If it comes out and it's good, it's good. I mean, I always have this debate where I don't have this... Like, maybe I'm weird for this, but this idea of expectations, like, like based on what's in trailers, like, affecting how much I like the movie, either it's going to work for me, it doesn't. Like, it's never... I, I, I never have my enjoyment affected because either it's taken too long or the trailers told me it was something else. Either the thing is... What it actually is, it either works or it doesn't. I don't really care if it matches what I was expecting That's it to fair. be. No, it can fair be, enough. It can be completely different. It just has to be good still. But if it's completely different and it's bad, then I won't like it. Well, obviously, yeah. I should hope so. If that makes sense. No, it does. Uh, um, Alright, that was number two for both of us then. So what's your number well, one? My number one is is the second best Pixar movie in, 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 in total. It's Toy Story 2. I think it is head and shoulders above the first one, and uh, you know I love the first one, but I, I, you know, I had to bite my tongue a little bit earlier when you were saying that you, you thought would, the first one was better. Would it upset you to, to know that I also like three more than two? A, a little, yeah. I, I think <laughs> two, two is easily the best of, of the, that trilogy. No, it's fantastic, but it's easily number three out of the out of three of them. Yeah, no, no. I think it probably goes two, two, three, one for me. Yeah. Yeah, probably. But yeah, as I said, I think it's the second best Pixar movie, second only to to the the now often referenced on this list, Incredibles. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for the record, we don't need a fourth one. I know they're going to do a fourth one. The story's done. Oh, I'm with you. I think it works fantastically as a trilogy. I mean, we're getting a fourth one, <laughs> whether we want it or not, and I'll probably see it because I'm a sucker. Mm-hmm. And maybe it'll even be good. Who knows? But I don't need it. 
but you know, I, I say I didn't need a solo movie, but I really enjoyed it. So what can I say? I didn't need a solo movie. I did not go and see it. I I am much better off for it. I, I don't know about that. I, I I didn't need it, but it ended up being a very good, enjoyable, entertaining. You, you know? have no idea how how free I feel. Just yeah, not yeah. going. It feels sure. amazing. Sure. It feels it feels like a life hack. Like I'm 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 not miserable yeah, because yeah, I just really. chose not to put myself through it. It's oh, great. Okay. Oh. Um, but I, I do think Toy Story Two is a perfect movie. I think it's so well paced. I think it's again in in the same way about we're talking about sequels. I think it takes ideas from the first one and spins it into something different entirely. Hmm. No, I mean I have nothing bad to say, but I think it's great. I think it's a fantastic film. Um, yeah. uh, it didn't quite make the list uh, for for whatever reason. Because there was a point in my list where I had like eighty movies, right? And I was like, okay, mm. what, what am I cutting out? And it became this battle in the lower sections of it of like, okay, there's these movies that mean a lot to me because I grew up with them, even if they're not the most amazing things. I'm not actually saying that Time Cop is a better movie than Toy Story 2, but it made my list. And it yeah, made my list cool. because it just, you know, it meant something to me growing up. And I was actually, I was threatened by uh, one of our one of our audience uh, who would be really upset if, if Time Cop was the only Van Damme movie on my list. And I know he's hoping for Universal Soldier. I love Universal Soldier. It, but it can't be number one. And that was another one that almost made the list. It was in that pool. It was in that pool of like 20 to 30 movies that I had to yeah, get rid of. Slash, yeah. Nah, I get it. Uh, choices had to be made. It was tough. Uh, Toy Story 2 is fantastic. As is the PS1 video game, Toy Story 2, uh, which, don't you know, it's a little clunky in the controls now because obviously things have advanced. But at the time, yeah. But at the t- that is a fantastic platformer where you're going around collecting stuff and you're, you know, it's Andy's house is the first level and the second level is Andy's like, backyard yeah. with all different gardens from the other houses. It's good stuff. Um, I highly recommend Toy Story 2 I be- there's, some, there's something about Pixar movies that make great platformers uh, I know um, in, in Disney Infinity they did uh, an Inside Out uh, oh, and, yeah. and one of the because the, 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 the idea of that is you buy like expansions and the Inside Out one was a platformer, that was the whole hmm. game of that was a platformer and it was a fantastic platformer and it really, oh. you know, I don't know what it is with the, with the Pixar movies, they translate really well yeah, I see controls are a bit dated now but I mean it's still playable, like, I've played some of it uh uh, my old PS1 disc and the PS3 not too long ago. Um, hmm. But hey, uh, so my number one, uh, no, and it's not been said before because you've not seen it. <laughs> um, oh, okay. And honestly, I admit this is a kind of obvious, boring choice, but there is nothing that could beat Shawshank Redemption uh, oh, okay. out, out of the 90s pool of movies. It, this is uh, one of these... I'll, I'll be honest, I forgot you hadn't said it yet. <laughs> mm. This is one of these movies where I was in high school. And I'd mentioned I'd not seen it, and someone insisted in giving me their DVD at the time, right? And of course, I didn't spit on it and say no. I want the Blu-ray because Blu-rays didn't exist yet. So this was this was the the, the quality of the time. <laughs> it was passable. Yes, <laughs> I didn't hate standard definition until I saw HD. All right. Yeah, it's it's going back. That's the problem. Right? It's going back. Yes. Um, that, that's one thing. When we, we do that movie topic, one of the, the extra episodes for Patreon, and we talk about yeah. technology changing. That'll be one of the things I talk about. Is how. It, it, yeah. Fun story on that. The first time I went to HD, I don't think I really appreciated it. I didn't really, you know, I thought, oh, this looks nice, but I didn't like, I didn't yeah. fall in love immediately. It's when I went to go back to something that I struggled. I was like, what, what is this mess? Yeah, I don't remember this being so pixely and like. What, what is this blurry mess all of a sudden? The artifacts, the colors aren't as strong. What's happening? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, we we could talk uh, for a long time about that. Yeah. How about we get the uh, the blurry remastered version of Buffy and Angel? Hey, Fox. Hey, hey, hey. Get off that fat ass Murdoch and get me some Buffy and Angel Blu-rays, you prick. Anyway, um, so... 
<laughs> Actually, I'll start arguing. If Disney get Fox in the library, I'll be arguing at Disney next. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what? No, no, no. Don't give me the original cuts of Star Wars. I don't give a shit, Disney. Blu-ray remasters, original aspect ratios of Buffy and Angel. <laughs> I, just, I just want to play into the... Why not both? I'll take both. Both is fine. But if it's both one or the three. other... If it's one or the other, then... Well, I'm, I'm t- I mean... I, 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 I'd probably still taste Star Wars. It's a tougher choice, because at least I can watch Star Wars in HD, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the, the the perfect cut, but at least I can still enjoy it in full definition. Nah, they'll be getting harassed for Buffy Angel and also the Abyss. Oh, is that a Fox? Best, the Abyss is Fox, and it's still not even getting an anamorphic SD yeah, transfer. It's, it's, it's the reason I haven't watched it, is because I'm like, well, I don't want to put myself through that mess. I want to watch it again so badly, but it's unwatchable, the current quality. I, I need, I need the, the remaster, yeah, please. Yeah. Anytime now, please. Anyway, so shout out Redemption to get onto the movie at hand. Uh, so I was told you have to watch this I was slapped by the DVD and I went home and watched it and it was one of those things where I'm like this is really goddamn good because I think like most people and this is true at the time like it didn't do very well at the box office um, and I think it's because you oh it's a prison drama I don't really want to watch a prison drama very, yeah. f- I think very few people are excited by the prospect of a movie set in a prison it's just not that exciting it's not something that sounds like it's going to be cheery but this is a movie with fantastic characters, fantastic direction, uh, great music as well, actually. Um, oh, yeah, it's fantastic music. But it's it's a movie where you have these characters go on this journey. It is, it is a movie about hope. Outside of, like, like you know, actual heroic movies where there's a hero, you know, obviously Superman's the obvious choice because he's all about hope. But outside of movies like that, it's probably the most purest film about hope that I think I've seen. Uh, it's about, you know... Andy Dufresne is put in this horrible situation where he's been framed for a murder and he's serving life in prison and it's, you know, everyone's like, no, I don't hope in here, that's that's what gets you killed, you know. Um, but by the end of the movie, Morgan Freeman, like, the, his journey is that he, be- he begins to believe in hope, that, it, that there is reasons to actually believe in it and there's yeah. reasons to hope for better. It is a touching story. It is the, it is the only male love story, you know, you know, <laughs> word this carefully yes it's the only uh, platonic male love story that doesn't have a car chase it's <laughs> it's so good that might be true <laughs> like it's so good um I, like there's so many memorable moments there's so many quotable lines it's it's so heartfelt and it's dark at times but it's so heartwarming at others um, it's such a journey. Like you're so into it. Like you're sucked into that movie. The more it goes on, and you just the, the ending. By the end of it, you're just you're just you're ready to like you know cheer as the music plays in the end credits. It's just so good. No, I get it. You know, it's weird. The reason that I haven't seen this is going to sound strange, but it's because I've seen probably all of the movie. In you know, I've seen a clip here, ten minutes there, right? Mm. That I'm like. In my mind, I've kind of I've seen it. I've ne- but I've never experienced it as a movie. But I've I, I know everything. I've seen like all the scenes individually. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's, it's kind of weird for me in my mind, where it's like okay, I, I need to. I'm kind of waiting until it kind of just settles and I can just appreciate it properly. It's a definite flux at some point. It is, yeah. It's definitely happening. But uh, Shawshank Redemption, um, it's very good. And of course, Frank Darabont directed it. Went on to direct. I mean, Green Mile was in the first half of this yeah. countdown for me, and then the Mist in the two thousands for me 
So a good track record with King. Yeah, so for some reason, Frank Darabont and Stephen King, you pair them up and you're getting gold. You're just getting outright gold. Yeah. Uh, but that that is the that's the list. That is our top fifty movies of the nineties. Uh, a weird list. A, a weird list with a mix of great films, childhood favorites. Um, I feel like the two thousands is where like I really started to care about film and take it seriously. So there's a really high concentration of just like you know film like not just yeah, like yeah. movies that i like as a kid there's film and i feel like the older decades like that as well because i i went out of my way to go back and find the big films that, that i hadn't seen in the great films um now obviously for me sure the 80s will be full of horror movies as well that might be less on the the prestigious yeah. list yeah but it's still a higher concentration the 90s is such a weird You've oddball these, decade these kid things that you grew up with yeah but I, I think it is because it's a decade we grew up during and I, I think it's interesting for me is like you know how every decade kind of has like a, a style like you know you, you see an 80s movie you know okay that's an 80s movie and i feel like 90s that just that that like house style so to speak is one that i just don't enjoy that much compared to most of the other decades so i, I watch less of it because of that mm-hmm. which is you know i mean i, I mean i'm not saying there's no great movies clearly there is oh yeah there's a lot but, of great uh, movies i i think when I think of each decade, I think of like maybe maybe not so much two thousands and twenty tens. Like we're a bit too close to them. I still I think, but mm. you know the eighties. There's, there's several genres that I think. Oh, they had their their heyday in the eighties. There's you know seventies. I think you know gritty thrillers and crime yeah. stuff. Sixties, uh, you, you're going maybe more of the the, the light hearted dramas and thrillers. Like, like I, I, I see more of a whimsy. You get in the 60s. into your westerns when yeah. you get back there. Fifties uh, is you know prime Hitchcock era and all, all that stuff. I feel like I think of the nineties and I'm like, well, horror was kind of in a shit place. Um, yeah, <laughs> sci-fi is not particularly. I mean, there are a few here or there. I, yeah, overall. again, there's good examples of both horror and sci-fi from the nineties, but they're, they're definitely not as is I mean sci-fi bears better, better than horror though. Like I mean, just looking at my list here: Terminator oh, Two, yeah. Truman Show, Jurassic Park, Iron Giant, Matrix. Like I said, there's there's a good you know ten or twenty, but out of the whole decade, yeah. it's kind of few and far between compared to other decades. Yeah, so I mean, the so whole it's, p- it's the decade of the like the, the drama almost. Kind of. I mean, the hope is is that maybe like you know we'll spend. The next few years, watching a lot of movies, try to get in more influx episodes as an excuse to watch more movies, and you know maybe in five years we come back and do a nineties list again. Having watched a lot more nineties movies, maybe we come up with something completely different and say, like, "Oh no, here's all these other films that have now." No, it's true. I think these lists will be fascinating to in all of them, not just the nineties, even the ones that you know, oh yeah, we're absolutely. More confident on with the other lists is, you know, we're always watching new movies. Yeah, you know, we we try and do at least one a week for the influx, and you know other things on top of that that inevitably these lists are going to evolve quite drastically over even a year hmm so so with that said though that that is the the countdown that is the the top 50 movies in the 90s and we'll be back next week with a movie review of some kind and I don't know if we're doing the Patreon pick next or if we're doing the next Godzilla movie. Next Godzilla yeah. movie, okay. Because we're, we're trying to do those once a month. It's been a little while since the last one. So uh, yeah. the next Godzilla movie is coming up next, I think. Uh, but hey, but worth mentioning, the new Patreon vote uh, will be up soon. Uh, I mean, if, if you're watching this early on Patreon, it won't be up yet. It'll be a few days at least before the, the votes go up. Uh, the results should be up, though, by the time you see this. Yeah, do, do we have the winner to announce here for, for everyone else? Um, we do, actually. The winner is The Thing. Uh, that is what we're going to be doing for the, the Patreon vote winner. 
uh, over the month of June. Um, and there was some debate, should this, does this belong more in streams or in flocks? And I, my thought was it kind of goes either way, but we'll let the vote decide. If people yeah. don't vote for it... It's funny, because we had that debate when we were thinking of the, the yeah. movies. And some of our patrons in the comments on, on Patreon had that same debate. Like, you know, yeah. does this count for here? But the vote spoke... The vote, the vote has spoke, so here we are. So and we... I, think, I think ultimately we did Alien, so we're good. There's precedent. Yes, there's precedent for some sort of horror. I mean, the difference with Alien is those we want to do the sequels, and they veer more into action, so it just there made is, sense. But, but it, case, I mean, but... the, the thing falls very much in line with Alien in terms it does, of yeah. where it, feels, it falls on the spectrum. Yeah, it feels like you know that's a good double bill one night is Alien and the thing. Uh, so that's coming up. So yeah, there'll be a new vote up of some kind. The, obviously the vault is still there as well, which is the, the Patreon sort of, people can enter movies onto this to watch list. Um, and in fact, the, the vote winner from the past month, we just did My, my Neighbor Totoro, uh, was the winner of a vote. Well, all four options were from the vault. So you can submit movies to the vault if you're a patron as well um, and check it. Also look out for sometime the first episode in June of 121 Extra, which is me and Connor doing like a movie topic. Um, the first one is going to be aspect ratios and why different aspect ratios are used. Maybe a bit of the history of how, how we have different aspect ratios and so on and so forth. Uh, so that'll be for us. exclusive for patrons. That is a patron-exclusive monthly show. Uh, the first one will be sometime in June. And uh, what, how much do they need to give to get that on Patreon? Uh, that is the three dollar tier, or anything above that as well. Of course, you, uh, yeah. you always get the, the lower stuff included. So uh, that's the three dollar tier. So uh, go have a look at patreoncom TV for the, the bonuses if you want to support us. You can also support us, of course, by uh, letting us know what you thought in the comments, uh, like and subscribe, and all the usual stuff. Uh, but otherwise, that's it. So thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies, guys, and we'll see you next time.